All right. Hey, what's up, guys? We have Derek here. He is a film critic. So what's going on, Derek? How are you doing tonight? Hey, uh, thank you so much for having me. No problem. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like I was saying, uh, you, well, like you were saying, uh, I'm a film critic, uh, free, work freelance. Um, I also am a film podcaster. So I do um, some stuff like uh, my podcast is called Underrated, where we look at underrated films, stuff that kind of needs more attention. And then I also write for websites like Watch Mojo, um, usually about film, but about all kinds of pop culture stuff. So that might be where people have seen um, a majority of my work is on Watch Mojo, but uh, definitely should check out my podcast too. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I was, you know, going to say last time, um, you know, I've definitely heard of Watch Mojo. So, you know, if if you're writing on there, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think that I've only just seen their YouTube channel. I don't yeah, think yeah. I've really so, yeah, I write, I write the videos for the, the YouTube channel, essentially. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Do you get like paid for that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I work that's cool. freelance for them. Yeah. So I'm not like an employee. I think it's like a freelance gig pretty much that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've, I've actually always wondered, I, I've always thought, I think, you know, being a film critic would be like one of the perfect jobs, just being able to watch movies and write about them. But with that being said, I know how hard it is to critique movies. It's, it's not easy. I've, this podcast actually, I think I told you off the podcast that this mm -hmm. podcast started as like a movie kind of quote unquote movie podcast. Me and my friend were just shooting the shit about movies and other stuff. Um, but when it comes down to it, if somebody asks you, so why do you like this movie or why not? It's very kind of hard to capture what's good about a movie and what's bad. Um, so that is definitely something that I want to get into with you. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting yeah, because it is my background is um, in uh, literature and uh, and as well as acting because I was in theater or in college. I studied theater uh, and um and English, uh, and English lit, I should say. Um, so my kind of background is, came from like observing literature and plays and stuff like that. And I've always been a really big film fan. So that's what I kind of wanted to apply that stuff to. Um, so with, I'm not my, I might not be the best at looking at things from like a technical angle, might be, not be able to tell you what lens anyone used in a particular film, but when it comes to story conventions and character arcs and uh, motivations and things like that, um, I think that's what I, that's right in the sweet spot for me. Yeah. So um, what are, what are some, what, what are some examples of movies that are just bad? Actually, you know what, let's, let's first, let's go over the Oscars. We were talking about the Oscars before and then, and then I'll get into this. I don't want to. So yeah. Um, like I said before, and then we got cut off, but um, I don't even really know if I know what the Oscar contenders are. I, I know like everything everywhere all at once is one is a high one. I haven't seen that, even though I'm super into A24. It just doesn't look good to me. Um, I, I hate, You got to see it, man. You got to see it. <laughs> I really hate to say this because I know it's going to sound terrible, but it's like. I just haven't really been fully able to get into those like Asian movies like when. um. When the other one won a couple of years ago, and it has nothing to do with, you know, the fact it has nothing to do with not liking Asians, but it's like the, and I don't even know how much this one is like um, subtitled or whatever, 
but like well, it's with not. It's an American one, film. It's an American okay, it's, film. It's, like it's Parasite, film. which is what I think we were talking about. Yeah, is, you know, Korean film, and I know that that is an obstacle for a lot of people is subtitles, and you know, I get that. It's something that you know, I I, I try to like rally against it, but this one, if that is an obstacle for you, this is not a this is not a uh, this is not a quote unquote Asian film, um, and it does have Asian American characters in it. And you know James Hong, who is uh, like a I, on all and like I think and and uh, all these characters who and actors who were you know originally from Asia but who have lived in America for many many decades. And it is made by the Daniels, the two directors. One is Asian American, one's a white guy or Jewish guy. Um, so it is a it's a and it's an American film, you know, um, with you know a story about immigrants certainly, um, but it is. I, w- I wouldn't really say it's fair to compare it to something like a parasite or even something like this year, which was another film out of Korea by Park Chan-wook that I liked a lot, which was decision to leave. This is, this is a very, very different film than, than a lot of those kind of foreign films that you would compare it to. Yeah. And yeah, once again, it has nothing to do with me, you know, you know, I'm um, not liking Asian people or whatever. Yeah. I'm totally, you know, nothing like that, but um. I think some of the, I don't know, it just, it's the subtitles and, and some of the, um, you know, the culture stuff. I don't, I don't get like the, um, the references or whatever, but like squid game was another one. I actually watched all of squid game and I actually enjoyed squid game. So that is one that I did like. Um, but with that being said, it's, yeah, it's uh, most of them aren't my necessarily my cup of tea. But um, so there's yeah, everything. I'll, I'll just I'll just say ones. real fast. This this is definitely the honestly all quiet in the Western Front, which is a foreign film subtitled it's German, uh, based on a German book. Obviously, is is a lot closer to something like a parasite than everything everywhere all at once is. Yeah, the problem with everything everywhere all at once is it looked kind of. Uh, I guess I think the best word would be like goofy, maybe to me, like kind of like silly, like. And I, I'm really just going off of the trailer, so I have no right to say anything negative about it at all. But if it's if it comes off like silly or goofy or I don't know, I really I really do have to honestly, you're right. I do have to watch it, and then otherwise I should just shut my mouth and not say anything about it. But I mean, obviously, it must be a, a really good movie because I know a ton of people like it. But I also know that a lot of people, a lot of like A24 people or just people in general, are kind of torn on it. Like I know, like probably half the people love it. Half the people, maybe it's probably more like seventy-five percent of the people love it, and twenty-five percent of the people don't. But so yeah, what else is also we were talking about Top Gun before, and also Avatar. I was, I thought I considered seeing Avatar, and I chose not to. I didn't like the first one, but I was like, you know, it's James Cameron, and it's like maybe he'll, you know, the CGI or whatever he's doing will be so good, but. Hmm. Um, so yeah, what else, what else is in the, what else is in the top 10? Is so, Top yeah. Gun one of the, one of the best film contenders? Top, top Gun, yeah, is nominated for a bunch of Oscars, including Best Picture, um, as is Avatar. So those big bomb, excuse me, big budget movies are definitely represented in a way that I feel like they haven't been in years past at the Oscars, at least not in Best Picture. That's something that I feel like since probably about 2003 when the return of the king one was that was the last time a really big budget movie won best picture and since then the oscars have kind of gotten more indie and independent and smaller budget 
which is not necessarily a bad thing, but when that's all they're recognizing, it is a bad thing. When they are excluding these big movies that make a lot of money that are also really great. Um, and you start, and you've really, in past years, especially with like streaming and everything, and the, just the gulf that is coming between these big, um, like multi million dollar budget movies, uh, multi hundred million dollar budget movies, as to say, and like the kind of smaller A24 neon smaller studio type movies is the gulf is increasing and this year i think was a really strong year for movies not only for the big blockbusters which i'm glad they're getting represented but also for of course those indie movies those smaller ones stuff like um like banshees of Sharon or women talking uh and then also the kind of mid-budget movies which have large in large part been disappearing um they have been there's there's lots of ways for um, filmmakers to still make the small budget movies and there's lots of ways for filmmakers to make these big movies that they will like know will just dominate the box office but the path of like making your money back on something where you spend 40 to 60 million dollars is becoming more and more difficult which is another reason i am glad that everything everywhere has had the sustains sustained success that it has because that is one of the few mid-budget movies um, that is actually doing really well. And I think we need to continue to support cinema like that because it is becoming more and more rare as it's becoming just, movies are just becoming just the extremes of small budget or big budget. There needs to be still a middle path. And this year, I'd say the crop of nominees that we got not only are diverse, but they're also really good. I would say compared to the 10 nominees we got last year, they're a lot better this year. Um, just in my opinion, I'd say at least eight of them are really very good movies. Um, I think that even Avatar, which I didn't love the first Avatar, I think this one's a lot better. Um, and I also just want to mention uh, that I, I do like the rule change the Oscars had with the rules for best picture, which it used to be originally was five and then it was 10. And then after one year of 10, they, it was between five and 10. And that's why a lot of years you got like eight or nine or seven movies, but now they changed it back to a mandatory 10. So we did get 10 nominees. So everything has to be represented um, or there is more representation, I should say. Um, and you're getting five movies that you would not have gotten in like 2008 or something. Yeah. So what are the eight? We got Top Gun, Avatar, Everything, Everywhere, All Once, Banshees of Ina Sheeran. Is that war movie? on there yeah all, all quiet uh which is the oh. german uh uh war film we mentioned is also nominated um woman talking uh tar which is a really interesting movie i think it's maybe a, that is kind of the critic darling i liked it not as much as everyone else um triangle of sadness which i really like the first two acts but it falls off a bit at the end and then elvis so yeah there's a full 10 this year okay the only one that i can talk about is Elvis because I literally just finished it last <laughs> night and I was so I I liked it and I thought the directing was really good the cinematography he he does a lot of like cool shots as you know um mm. I'm forgetting his name, uh, Baz his name. yeah exactly Baz Luhrmann with all I mean Romeo and Juliet I was I actually watched Romeo and Juliet somewhat more recently not the whole thing but a part of it and it kind of came off a little goofy to me but I remember the first time I watched it I was I'm really impressed with how he like mixed the old school thing with the new school thing. And even with Elvis, he did that a little bit. There was a couple of scenes with like rap music in there that I thought mm -hmm. was cool, like more modern rap. 
so Elvis overall was like, in my opinion, was pretty good. But I, by, but by the end, I wasn't super impressed. And I was hoping he would go a little bit more into like the dark side of Elvis towards the end in Vegas, which he did go over. But I, I don't know. Um, I, this, when it ended, I, I wasn't super happy. I'd probably give it like a 60 or 70 if I had to rate it on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, what did you think about Elvis? Uh, Elvis was the, actually really the only Best Picture nominee that I did not flat out did not like. Like I the, from okay. this year, I I really don't like that movie. Um, Baz Luhrmann sometimes he's really hit for me. Uh, I love Moulin Rouge. Um, I thought his adaptation of The Great Gatsby, which is my favorite book, does a lot of the same things you're talking about with you know incorporating the modern music, rap music, the XX stuff like that in that film. Uh, that I have some issues with Gatsby. But I, I really, like, I, I, I did not love Elvis. Um, I get why it's, it's getting the recognition at the Oscars because Oscar, they, the voters love biopics. Um, they love musical biopics, especially these musicians that were very popular when a certain age range that has dominated the Oscar voters for a long time, um, uh, kind of crops up. So. You know, I, I get why people like it. it ma- I'm glad that it, it made a lot of money because um, it was a relatively big box office movie. Um, and one thing that it had in common with the other two big box office movies on here is that it had really good legs. Um, and what I mean by that is it opened okay, but it just had really big staying power. It stayed in theaters for a long time and people kept going back to the theaters. And that's something that also happened with both Top Gun and with Avatar. And I think one of the things that has been maybe a red flag with some of the movies this past year is that they will just open huge, huge, huge numbers and then fall off a cliff, like take a 70% dive in its second week. And these movies had very, and part of that's because they skew a little bit older with their audiences, but um, they have been able to sustain that box office. And rather than just being a, you got to go opening weekend event. It's it's more of like okay, you can go to see this movie in the third or fourth or whatever week. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've like I said before, I I didn't see Top Gun, um, but it sounded by from what you know everybody I talked to they really liked it, and it sounds like it was Tom Cruise's kind of like big, I would say comeback movie. But I mean, obviously he's been in a lot of movies since the first one. I don't think it's actually been some time though since he's been in a really good movie, right? I mean, what was his last big good movie? Uh, when I, whenever the last Mission Impossible was, I think I can't remember what year that one was. Um, it might have been 2018. Uh, the one with Henry Cavill in it. I'm spacing on the name. The names all kind of run together. Um, on those Mission Impossible movies, but I think he. Tom Cruise is interesting because I think he's an actor who is like, regardless of what I think of him personally, I think he's a very, very talented actor who has, when he's tried to branch out and do these more interesting roles has kind of been rebuffed by the Academy and even critically sometimes um, when he does stuff like Magnolia or where he tries to stretch his acting legs. And now he's just kind of like shifted into he's the guy who's going to do all the action scenes and, jump and run the fastest and and do all these insane stunts and kill himself for these movies and i would really love to see him do something again like collateral which is absolutely one of my favorite performances of all time is amazing yeah yeah, he's so so good in that maybe my favorite michael mann movie 
Um, yeah. But yeah, so I would, so it's, it's, he's, he's in a weird space. Um, but I do think that it is important to have, you know, figures like him and, you know, regardless of what I think of like these, these movies that come out and are, are helping to kind of push cinema forward and make sure that people actually, these events that people can go and see on the big screen. Cause I'm really glad I got to see that one on the big screen. Uh, Top Gun wasn't my favorite movie of the year, but I did enjoy it a lot seeing it in the theaters. Yeah. Top Gun is one of those movies that no matter how good it is or how good people tell me it is, and I was saying this before too. I, I just feel like I'm kind of like somewhat of like a contrarian, maybe when it comes to movies. And it's like, like, like with you mentioned Mission Impossible. It's just like I cannot, I will not get into that movie, no matter how good it is. Same thing with Born Identity. I can't stand when, and I have like honestly like a really big issue with this with Mission Impossible type stuff. They uh, they made like eight or whatever or six. It's like it just gets to a point where it's like you guys are obviously just trying to make money off this. They might be well done. They might be even well directed, well done, well acted, but it's like, I don't know. I'm just not really into the whole like sequel or whatever, you know, after sequel would be like, um, same thing with uh, Fast and the Furious, same thing with The Rock. Like, I, I don't like The Rock. It's like, I just, I just don't like, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, I will, same thing with Marvel movies. Like, I, I will not ever get into Marvel so movies. So you just hate no franchises is what you're saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like, I don't even really want to like take the like anti-capitalistic thing of like, oh, they're just trying to make money because, you know, an argument to that is like, yeah, they're all trying to make money, but it's mm -hmm. like, that is part of it. But it's like, it just gets to a point where like, there, it just becomes redundant. And it's like, this is very similar, same James Bond. I mean, it's like very similar to all the last 10 they made. I'm not, in, there's nothing you can do to like trick me. Um yeah, so I mean, I know. Okay, so overall, I would say, to finish that 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 <laughs> that line, I would say that. Okay, so um, I'm I'm more into music than movies, and I've had some music guests on recently, and I've just been like, you know, I'm just not into new music. But since we're talking about movies, obviously, I'll stick with that. Same thing with movies. Like, I just have not been that into like new movies, uh, TV shows. There are some TV shows, more so TV shows than movies that I'm into. I'm just kind of, and even like Martin Scorsese himself has said stuff about how like these Marvel movies are killing cinema. So do you, well, first of all, do you agree with the fact that like movies are getting worse? It sounds like you may not, because you actually like a lot of these movies. And if so, if you do agree with that, do you kind of agree with Martin Scorsese in that like some of these franchises are just killing off, you know, true like old cinema style movies? So <laughs> to answer your first question, I, I don't agree at all that movies are getting worse. I think that if you went back to go go back to like, you know, any random year and, you know, mo even one of the best years of all time, look at 1999. And there's a, a podcast that I'm a really big fan of podcasts like it's 1999, where they look at all of the movies that came out in 1999. Most of them are forgettable. Most of them are not good films. Most of them are just ab like just kind of like bad stuff. Because in any given year, you can point to like all these things that you won't remember. But when, if you say to someone, oh, 1999, such a great movie year. And they can be like, yeah, The Matrix, Magnolia, 
uh, Fight Club, like, or, or, you know, like all of these, not, I don't think Fight Club came out here, but you get my point. Or I was actually going to say Fight Club when you said 99. So okay. I think it did, but I could be Yeah, wrong. okay. Or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was 99. But yeah. that was in high school. But we can check it if you want. But yeah. yeah. But like, the, the point is like, if you can, you know, point to a given year, like, okay, all these good movies come out. And that's because you're living in the moment. And I think it's the same with music or anything else. It, you're living in the moment. And you're just experiencing all this stuff where, you know, 10 years from now we're not going to remember the bad movies that came out in 2022 we're going to remember all the uh, everything everywhere is the banshees of nasherans all all the really good stuff the stuff that will stick with you um and i think that's with the scorsese thing i know that's kind of the thing that everybody loves to to jump on and i think that he is right to an extent but i think he's also kind of out of touch because I think that, yeah, we are now living in an age where film is more dominated by franchises rather than, you know, 15 years ago when, or even further ago than that, when films were dominated more by um, quote unquote singular auteurs, like directors who had visions. But, you know, that's that's not infallible either. It's not like saying, okay, well, let's just go give Martin Scorsese whatever budget he wants and he'll just you know uh, shit gold or whatever uh which obviously he makes incredible films and he's my favorite director yeah he will he will shit gold (laughs) (laughs) but um like just just one person like that ignores the fact that i think the auteur theory is just kind of bullshit because movies aren't made by one person martin scorsese works with actors and writers who by the way who writers we could talk about that how the whole writer strike is going on and how writers are one of the biggest if not the biggest creative influence in a movie and they have never gotten respect not now in the franchise era not when it was more director driven era definitely not in like the if you when movies were really bad for me is the the haze code days which if people don't know there was a time period of about 30 40 years uh when the movies were had this code on them that you couldn't show like anything cool basically it's like you can't have like the bad guys have to lose at the end there can't be any references to like any anyone of any like uh other sexualities than heterosexual there can't be uh you can't have like people of color like doing certain things it's just really whack and outdated um even by those standards times and it's just like it's really like just puritanical and it kind of ruined movies for a very long time and I think that when people are like, ah, oh, well, they don't make them like they used to, like some, some like for a while, uh, before the 70s, when you did kind of have that new wave of these Scorseses and Spielbergs and all these guys coming in, um, their movies were pretty bad. So, uh, well, not all movies, um, but there were, there was a lot of bad stuff because it was restricted by this self-imposed code. Um, and eventually they were able to break through of that. And but there are still some people in the franchise system making great movies. I don't think just because a movie is in a franchise or just because a movie is a Marvel movie, it's bad. Like, um, you know, people like James Gunn and might not be the best example because the last Thor movie was not great, but Taika Waititi making Thor Ragnarok um, or even people who are, you know, work well within that system and are able to make really great films. The um, uh, like people like. Um, Christopher McQuarrie working really well with Tom Cruise making all these Top Gun movie or making Top Gun and all the Mission Impossibles the Russo brothers who were a really important 
creative voice in um, the MCU and Kevin Feige. Uh, so you do still have these creative voices um, in film. It's just kind of, it's kind of different. And I think the thing that I am most lamenting, which I'm, we're losing, because like I said at the beginning, we still have a lot of these, um, you know, smaller budget indie films that people are still getting to make their visions but the ones and they're we're still getting the big blockbusters but we're what really losing to a large extent is the mid-budget ones um which don't really have a place that makes sense in the modern film landscape and that is that is something i lament yeah well first of all i don't i don't really want to be maybe i am but it's like i don't know how how old are you uh i'm 33 okay i don't really want to be like one of those like old guys who's like oh it's so much better in the the 60s or the 50s or whatever but i don't i don't feel that way like i don't feel like the 70s were better i don't actually don't even like old movies i'm 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 really pretty bad dude like my my adhd is so bad that like older movies just bore the hell out of me even newer movies well but um like you know obviously gone with the wind was even older than 60s but like i can't stand those types of movies i think that like wizard of oz is one movie that i respect just because it was mm. so weird and different at the time but um so yeah i don't really want to be one of those guys however i i will and that's the whole thing is this could just be because i to, to date myself i literally was in high school when fight club came out mm -hmm. i don't actually don't think i even saw it in high school i remember I, what's funny is i remember like some people i knew in high school being like oh we're gonna go see a movie like i was like what movie they're like fight club they were all stoked about it i totally thought it was gonna be like a jock like you know literal like fight movie mm -hmm. um and it turned out, it, you know, it was much more than just like a, a fighting movie, <laughs> but, um, right. but yeah, I've not to go, not to go into that right now, but I've, I've actually heard some negative responses from fight club. I've heard people say that it, like it, it isn't as good as people say it is. I personally think it's a, it's great. I think everything David Fincher does is great. And it's, I'm very bummed out that Mindhunter got canceled. Mm. Right. I mean, yeah. Like, but I, that, yeah, I, yeah. But yeah. So sorry, I, I know I'm like going off. No worries, no going worries. off. Yeah, yeah, I'm going off here. But to summarize it, um, I think the main difference between like say like let's say like the '90s, which in my opinion could potentially be my favorite time. I mean, you got Jurassic Park, which is just absolutely amazing. I don't even like those types of movies, but Steven Spielberg just killed it with that one. We also forgot the Fablemans on the in, on the Oscar list, right? Um, yeah, I think I left. I, I must have left that one off. Yeah, Fableman's yeah, also got yeah. best picture nomination. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't even know if we went over all of them. Just a couple, but um, Jurassic Park, Fight Club, Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction being quite possibly one of the best movies of all time. Shawshank Redemption, and I'm sorry, but I just I cannot put any of these movies even close to those movies. And this was probably true for the past five or 10 years. The last movie that I saw in the theater that was on those levels would probably be like No Country for Old Men, um, which is 2007, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm sure there's more. Obviously, Christopher Nolan's amazing, but I, I couldn't, I, I didn't even finish Tenet. And I love Christopher Nolan, but it's like I just, conf I just didn't get what was going on. Tenet wasn't yeah my favorite Nolan. I, I think you're you're like definitely like picking like okay, like you're taking like the best movies of the '90s, you know. And if you're comparing that, all of the best movies of the '90s against just you know movies of like one year or like a couple of years, 
you know, it, we, we're only a couple of years into this decade. So I think that's maybe not a fair comparison. Cause I think that there definitely have, like, if you look at the 2010s, I think that, you know, the last decade that completed, I think there was a ton of like really amazing films that came out in that decade, you know, 2019 in particular, I think was, was a very, very strong year for film, you know, off the top of my head, one movie that came out that year that I absolutely adore is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, so, I didn't see that yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's a foreign film. It's like a French film. I've but, heard of um, it. But... I mean, there's like, you know, something like that uh, a couple of years before that was Arrival. It was like an incredible film. Um, Blade Runner. Oh, just... oh, Rival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I mean, yeah, Rival was good, but yeah, I wouldn't put it up there. But yeah, um, if you, yeah, if you want to keep listing some other ones, but I, I wouldn't, well, first of all, this is totally subjective and it's totally mm-hmm. has to do with like, you know, like they say, like everything in art, music and movies or whatever is all subjective. And it's all like, you know, based on like when you were in high school or whatever else mm-hmm. and like memories and all that. So, I mean, obviously, I, there's no way that I'm going to debate you and say that, like, you're wrong or anything. But, it's like, obviously, if you think that Marvel or, uh, yeah, like, the Avengers is the best movie ever, I, you know. But, yeah, just – but nevertheless, it still is fun to to debate about it. And I just wouldn't put a rival. I wouldn't put any of those movies – I didn't see Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Who was in Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Uh, it was it's no nobody nobody that you would know um, really from uh, as an English-speaking audience yeah i'm I'm just trying to think of the last movie in you know 10 years that i could say is as good as any of those 90s movies that i mentioned um yeah because for me like there's definitely think, a ton but... that i like Jurassic park is probably my favorite movie of all time but you okay. know like there's there's movies from that decade you know you bring up nolan like inception you know i think that's a masterpiece from that decade i know not everyone loves it but La La Land is another one I think is phenomenal. Um, so I, I think you can, you know, you can pick any era and even the eras that I don't like when like the Hayes Code was going on or something and you can find excellent films from them, you know, and you can point, you can plant your flagpoles in anything. And a lot of the too, I think is just about like, like seeing things, you know, like Jurassic Park is, you know, obviously more people have seen Jurassic Park than Portrait of Lady on Fire. And those hard movies to compare because they're completely different in every way. But um, one is clearly more accessible than the other, too. Yeah. And I just I, I kind of just thought of some that are actually are just as good, which would be, you know. So, I mean, I can't totally I'm you know, I can't totally say what I'm saying because there was Ex Machina. There was um, 1917 was absolutely amazing. Maybe one of my favorite war movies, the, the single The Revenant. So mm-hmm. it's like overall you probably are right and i'm probably just more nostalgic for those older movies i still don't want to say that you're right i still think that those older movies in my opinion are better now one other thing that i'll say that i think kind of like makes my point better is that tv in my opinion is way better than it was in the 90s obviously in the 90s you only had yes so much to compare it to i would there wasn't nearly as much but you know living in an era of prestige tv for sure yeah, but with that, even with that being said, with so many different streaming channels who just have a shit ton of money, I would say most of them are still bad. Like most, I would probably say maybe 90 to 90, you know, 9% that I see on TV are bad. I don't want to watch. And with this being said, I literally don't want to watch them. So I, I've given some a chance, but um, like Euphoria is amazing. 
I'm assuming you um, like Euphoria, I actually right? I haven't seen you. I know, I know about it, but I haven't seen Euphoria. Um, but yeah. what I what I would say is that, and it's a, a point that I can't remember. I think it was like maybe an executive from FX, but one of the uh, um, I, th- I think it was I can't remember his name, but the executive from FX a couple of years back, and it was when the Emmys were rolling around, and it had to kind of to do with the fact that the Americans, which is one of the greatest shows ever made, was never got really any. I haven't any seen love. that. Oh, that's a great show. But like his point was that there's too much good TV. There's so much good TV that people are missing the truly great TV because people are busy watching things that are pretty good, you know, stuff like, I don't know, like just throwing something out here, like a modern family or something. So they're missing the Americans or they're missing a show that I really love right now, which is Poker Face, which is, uh, you know, and that has maybe has to do with the fact that, like you said, there are so many streaming services. Probably a lot of people don't have Peacock, but if you do go watch Poker Face, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, there is, there is just so much stuff to watch and a lo- not, there's a lot of it. That's not great. I would say 90% maybe seems a l- pretty high to me, but I think that there's a lot of just really good, really watchable TV stuff that you can just put on. And because of that, there is no time to watch something like even like a better call Saul, like that is never going to like get the numbers that breaking bad did because those are both shows that obviously are one's a spinoff of the other one, but Better Call Saul never did as well as Breaking Bad because I think partially it's just in this landscape where there's so much good stuff to watch. It's also more, it's not as good for what I agree with you, what you said, but it's, it's not as good. It's, it's, it's more boring. I watched all of it because I'm, because Breaking Bad is my favorite show of all time. Best I've actually said when it. I actually like Saul better. I, I love oh, Breaking Bad, oh, but I love man. I love Saul, and it is slow. Such it is a slow, hot take, but I I love it. I oh, I love Break. I love uh, I love both of them, but Better Call Saul is absolutely it's such an incredible character study. Such like a, I mean, the, the problem that I had with it is they drew it out so long, and it just was not exciting for like the first three seasons. Were like man, and it's like honestly, I don't even think they the character development was really there and it was there, but it wasn't there in terms of how long they drew it out for, was it five seasons or six? It yeah, um, lasted six seasons. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really appreciate, I thought it was a very slow descent and every season there's something else like, you know, what happened with Chuck. Um, it, it worked. It really worked for me to, as well. I'll say without rambling too much more. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard not to go into each and every one of these movies or tv shows and and as a you know opposed to that like kind of like go over them all as a whole it's it's hard because you know we only have so much time but um yeah and like I you mean, said it's me, subjective like wrong. film was, and tv was... are subjective so yeah 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 it's just whatever you're into mm-hmm. yeah i mean i don't know i mean i feel like i can make a case against like marvel and stuff like that but um yeah i don't know i don't yeah um and not not but, every Marvel movie is amazing. There's plenty of things that Marvel has done wrong, but there's also, uh, particularly you know the last couple of years, but there's also been some really great stuff the past couple of years, and like you know, throughout it. And you know, it, it like it's it's all subjective. No, we're never going to be able to convince someone that doesn't like a film to like a film. But uh, I think that lumping everything all in together, being like I don't like this, you know, uh, or like I don't want to watch this. Um, is is maybe a little too reductive because 
while there is a certain style and tone to a lot of the Marvel movies, they're, they're very different. And I could say the same thing about, you know, just like foreign films or about um, action films or a 24 films. Like there are certain similarities, but they are all very different. Um, and I might like one a 24 movie and hate another one. Yeah. And it's honestly, even with a 24, I haven't seen a recent a 24 that I've been really into. I haven't even seen, I don't even know if I've seen one in a while, but um, I mean, one thing that I think that I for sure can say is that like Netflix has, has gone downhill in a bad way. And I don't know why. I mean, people like people have said stuff like, Oh, there, there's so much competition out there with all the different streaming services now, but it's like, I mean, I only imagine they have just a ton of money and are like, are they really choosing to like not spend that money and choosing to like make these shitty documentaries? Like I literally just saw like a documentary on Waco a trailer for it for netflix and it's like dude like i think hulu or some other company like made a tv show that was actually pretty good on wake already like i thought that was we don't need to see this again yeah i thought that was like a season like somewhat of a season two of the original waco series i might be well the original waco series if we're talking about the same thing the original waco series was an actual tv show the thing that i just saw the netflix thing is a documentary okay because I, I, I know that I, they're making like another thing that's like after Waco. I didn't know that was the documentary. Or I might be talking about something else. Well, that's a whole other thing too. Is the fact that they're making so much stuff, they're kind of like getting into a situation where they're like, "Oh, let's just do another one." Which I actually wouldn't mind another Waco. I think that the idea of doing like a Waco, which they covered pretty much fully, mm-hmm. but then the idea of doing another Waco, where like what happens after, which I think a lot of them, a lot of the characters died, so I don't even know what they would do. Mm-hmm. But um. Like I, I, that's the whole thing is I'm not going to like hate on all sequels or what would you call it if it's after a sequel, like a series, I guess. I guess, yeah, I would call that a franchise. A franchise. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to hate on all of them. It's obviously like, I like Better Call Saul. I think I thought that was, there was a place for that. The thing is with the Marvel movie. Okay, so for one, I don't really want to like offend you or anyone else. I don't think that I will offend you because I don't make the Marvel movies. You could say whatever. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but you're a film critic. So you obviously know more than me and also don't give a shit like you probably (laughs) rag on movies too but like with the marvel movies it just comes across like it's kind of like for kids for one and then these actors that are that they get and they pay him so much money to be in these movies i just kind of wonder like is their heart really in these like robert downey jr does he really want to do this or is he just good for the money and as soon as you like throw money into it and make it all about money in my opinion, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It just, it just ruins it. And it's like, is Robert Downey Jr. Do you think he's really into these roles? I mean, like a 50 year old, 60 year old man or whatever. Well, I think like, yeah, I think that's why, you know, a lot of Marvel actors, they, they do stop after a certain point. They, they tell the story. And that's what I love about Robert Downey Jr.'s in particular, his arc in the Marvel movies is you see him. And I do think that it, honestly, I'm not a fan of Iron Man two or even maybe not even three that much. Um, but I do like the way his character went. I think that they gave him a good send off in Endgame. I would say the same thing about Chris Evans is like, I feel like, yeah, some of these actors, they do like playing these roles, uh, but they do want to, after a certain period of time, branch off and do something different. And then that's why you get some new blood. Like, you know, we haven't had Robert Downey Jr. is retired from the MCU, um, which is, I think, a good thing for both him as an actor and those movies because it's you can't just keep telling like you were saying the same story over and over again you have to kind of do something interesting and new and i think that by 
you know, having these these characters, the original Avengers, their stories have now basically all come to a close. We're now in this doing this new thing with the Marvel movies. Um, that's something I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of the well, yeah. First of all, I mentioned Robert Downey Jr. and whoever else is in Mark Ruffalo and the guy from No Country for Old Men. Well, for one, what's his name? The guy from No Country for Old Men. Uh, it's not uh, Javier Bardem. It's um, uh, oh um, why am I spacing? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fine. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, if you're able to look it up, or I can, because it's it's actually like bothering me too, and I I'm just completely blinking. And once I blink on a podcast, I just can't I can't think of it. But um, so that guy, whoever else is in Jeremy, I would say Jeremy Renner, but I don't know. But like so those actors it's like what bums me out about the marvel movies and this is all like once again this is all my opinion whatever but is i feel like they're not doing like robert denny jr hasn't done in my opinion a good movie a serious i guess i'll just say like i'll just say a drama he hasn't done like a serious drama in a while where he can really show off his acting chops but then you got that's the whole thing like then you got leonardo dicaprio who almost every role he picks is in my opinion I'll just state that every time. In my opinion, a very good movie. And it seems like he's like really done his due diligence and like picking the movie. He's not just selling out. And he's one of the only actors. And it's hard to even say those guys are selling out because once again, you know, maybe, maybe they're into the roles. But I don't know. That's just my opinion. It's like I really respect actors who like go after roles that they can like really sink their teeth into. And I don't really know if those actors are doing it for. See- comic book movies but then again like that's the thing is i won't even say all comic book movies but i actually thought mm-hmm. i actually liked i didn't love but i liked the last the batman with robert pattinson mm-hmm. and i feel like robert pattinson's another guy who i think he's doing what he wants to do i think he's choosing movies that he wants to do and it's like i respect people for doing that i don't respect somebody who does a movie for the for the salary or whatever you know yeah i mean it's, it's always you know there's always like a calculus with actors where you know you mentioned like Leo and stuff like that. And they are get, making these movies that I think on one level, they, they are trying to um, like balance the art and the money. Cause all the act- actors do get, make movies for money. And, to, you know, it's hard to say how much of this is them wanting to do this as a passion project and how much of it is them just doing it as a way to get money. And sometimes it's a one for them, one for me kind of thing. But I don't think that being in these movies, like I, I think that our, Robert Downey Jr. has not really flexed his muscles um, in anything else other than Marvel movies for a while. And but that, but you know, you get other people like uh, look at Chadwick Boseman. I think that he's someone who always picked um, projects that were were very meaningful or interesting to him. And I think that I would definitely include Black Panther in that. I think that he is play, he played all of these characters that were. Um, like you can point to all of these hugely important characters. Like he plays, you know, for example, um, Jackie Robinson in a film. But I think that playing like one of the most prominent, important black superheroes and being like uh, that a character on the screen, that meant something to him too. So I don't think it's either, oh, we're just doing this for the money or we're just doing this for the love of the craft. There's always going to be both. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And you're right. I can't I can't say if they're doing it for one who knows why they're doing it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't really say why they're doing what they're doing. I, I totally agree with that. 
but and Chadwick Boseman, he was he was the guy who like died. He he uh, he mm-hmm. was the main guy in Black Panther, right? Yeah, I didn't see Black Panther, um, but you know, like I said, there are, and that's the whole thing is there are some. Like I like Joker. I was gonna say if you consider that um, comic book, but it is considered a comic book, yeah. right? I mean, obviously, obviously, I like Heath Ledger as Joker in that and all those Batman's. I thought I, one problem that I had with those Batman. The Batman trilogy, Christopher Nolan, um, was the fact that I don't know. I just felt like they were all like drawn on. I mean, even this Batman was like just drawn on too long. It was like after like an I don't know a certain amount of time. I was like, when's this gonna end? It just went on too long, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. Now, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, you probably are right. Because like more movies are kind of like popping into my head. There are still a good amount of good movies I, what i will I, what i think that i could say though is the amount that are bad compared to good that's the big thing i think that there's 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 way more movies being made and most of them are bad and like you said before it's hard to sift through the shit you know it's like mm-hmm. i mean I, I don't remember the last time i looked at the the theater um the movie listings for the theater to go see a movie where i was like oh i actually really want to go see that i mean it's been a while and um I want to say the last, I don't even know. I, I was going to say like the Fablemans. I would see everything everywhere all at once because it got so much praise and it's A24 and I didn't see that. Banshees of Insurance, Inch- I didn't really, once again, I didn't see any of these movies. I can't say. I only saw the trailer, but I'm just, I wasn't into that first one they made. I didn't even see that one, but <laughs> I'm literally going off of trailers here, but what was the first one that, that Colin Farrell and the other guy made? Oh, um, um, in Bruges. And Bruce, yeah, but you also mentioned um, Robert Pattinson. And it's like he hasn't flexed his muscle. In my opinion, everything he's done was like there's been most of what. Oh, he's I, done. I, I, yeah, I don't think I said Robert Pattinson. I, I, he he is great. He, he who is, did you say? You you said someone. I think I Tom, you were, Tom, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh no, he no, yeah, he just hasn't in a yeah. while. He just has. Yeah. He just has not. And it's like you. That's the whole thing is you can say like, oh, he really isn't to the Iron Man thing. And maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Who knows? But in my opinion, I don't really think he flexed his muscle. Flexed his muscle. I don't think he deserves oh, yeah, any awards for yeah. it. Yeah, I, I and that's that. the whole thing. Why I like the Oscars is because it's like I don't know. Like these people are getting paid a lot of fucking money, and same thing with music. These people are getting paid a lot of money, and it seems like in music, the more money they're getting, the shittier they get. Like Weezer used to be really fucking good, and they suck now. Fallout Boy sucks now. Like um, RHCP always has sucked, um, and all these bands that you hear on the radio, they keep getting it's like they keep getting more praise, but they're like not getting any better. And it's like I feel like some someone has to hold them like accountable. It's like, but since we're talking about movies, it's like I don't like praising stuff just because it has a huge budget and it did really well in the box office. And that's where I think the Oscars comes in is because it's like they actually. Uh, you know try to award stuff that has some depth to it you know what i mean it's like and everything everywhere all at once even though it might not be my type of movie i'm assuming it has some fucking depth to it you know what i mean i'm assuming there's some thought that has gone yeah and that's why i i I think that the oscars need to actually expand their horizons and look at movies that have depth to them that are big blockbusters and might not be these these ones that they conventionally 
nominated and stuff so that's why i'm glad you know things like even though it wasn't my like i said wasn't my favorite movie of the year or anything stuff like top gun and avatar and even elvis which are these bigger budget movies are getting play from the academy and like the academy it's it, you know there's a lot of like stuff like politics where it's like you know making sure you've greased the right palms and you're throwing parties and it's all about you know and that even the oscars is is all about like oh getting that oscar bump and if we are an indie movie and we get nominated for an oscar then we're gonna that movie's gonna get so much more money because all the you know the people like me will go out and see a movie that we would not have seen but i would not have seen triangle of sadness if it didn't get nominated for best picture but i went out and saw it you know and the oscars know that and the people making these movies and putting and spending millions of dollars on these oscar campaigns are doing that too so it's not uh, it's not like the Oscars are, are part of it too. It's not like they are exempt from this kind of money making machine that exists in in Hollywood. Yeah, well, don't don't get me wrong, dude. Like I, I think the Oscars have their issues. I think my point with it was, more, and I don't. I also agree with you. I don't think that they should only go for indie movies, even though I tend to like. You know, I think that's a problem that I have is I tend to like these certain types of indie auteur like david fincher quentin tarantino and it was it's a kind of like an elitist attitude which i should not have but with that being said and i i think the oscars you're right they have you know they pick and choose what they like and it's mm-hmm. it's a certain thing um but there there's something that you could at least um like there's something that you could at least go to and say okay this really is a good movie like and you might not even agree with it and i don't even necessarily agree with it this year mainly because like there weren't many movies last year and all this too could all, a lot of this too could be because of covid like a lot of this could be because of and i know it shouldn't still be a covid issue but it's i know for 2020 2021 it was just dead and maybe there's some sort of lag so that that could be filtering into these last three years but um I do think that they are kind of like, I guess they're like a gatekeeper kind of for saying, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, The Rock made like what, like Jungle Cruise or Jumanji or whatever the fuck. But it's like, it's not going to, it's not going to fucking win an Oscar and nor it should not. Mm-hmm. None of those movies should. And I don't really know why I'm getting so passionate about this because I, I you know, I don't, I, I shouldn't care that much. I'm not a, you know, film critic or anything, but it's like they, they shouldn't and they're a gatekeeper the problem that i have with music with the grammys is that the grammys are just completely full of shit like it's like they give justin bieber an award they give you know whoever like these shitty pop singers who like probably don't write their own songs blah 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 they don't you know so they're not like a good example but at least the oscars i feel like is pretty hard on the movies that they that they do choose they're not just like giving away oscars like they are like candy or something you know what i mean like yeah i mean there's definitely some i would say so i think that you're what you were saying earlier about just to backtrack a little about the covid stuff and i think that really affected the last two years especially the oscars i think uh, coda was a pretty weak oscar winner i had even seen nomadland and i see a lot of stuff and that was that's the first best picture win i haven't seen in a minute uh, and I still just haven't gone around to it, but I think that was this like is, one of the ones that I yeah. saw that year. Or yeah. like, yeah, go back a couple of years before that, even in Green Book, I think is a pretty weak Oscar movie. Um, you know, and uh, and then you do have good ones like you know Parasite, Moonlight, 
um, from the past few years, but I think that the Oscars get it wrong almost as much as they get it right. Uh, and they pick things that don't have huge cultural staying power. Uh, and I think that they are by, I think that they have been making steps to go in the right direction, bringing in other people other than just like old white dudes. Um, I still think, unfortunately, it's still too much of that. That's why a movie like Nope got zero nominations. It was a huge, big blood budget Oscar movie. And um, it's something that was kind of the middle where it seemed like a, it was a movie from like a kind of auteur-ish director, a guy with a vision, Jordan Peele, that was make, saying some really important things. Uh, but it was still a movie that was a big summer release at the same time. So it kind of got, didn't people don't know how to treat it. Um, and it got no nominations, unfortunately, despite it being one of the best movies of the year. Um, that that seems stupid to me. The yeah. the the, uh, the time frame of mm -hmm. when a movie comes out, it's like that should have absolutely nothing yeah. to do. I Which mean, is part of the reason why it's so incredible that everything everywhere is doing so well because it came out in March. It came out two days before the last Oscar ceremony. So that's the fact that it's had that much staying power is is a major credit to it. But I think that we honestly, this is the year, and I think it's why it's been such a good year for movies, that we have come out of that kind of COVID slump. And all the movies that were being held back, stuff like Avatar and Top Gun, that were originally going to come out much sooner, are finally, these big crowd-pleasing movies are finally coming out, as well as a lot of really good stuff for streaming. Like Coda was the first movie to be a streaming service movie that, despite what I think about it, that won Best Picture. And movies like that are finally starting to get a little bit more respected and renowned. Netflix has been trying to do that for years. Uh, they, as always, have a Best Picture nominee. Um, but this year, it's all quiet in the Western front. I think they were going to try to push for Blonde before everyone realized that's like the worst movie ever made. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, and I think that the combination of like, we're right at the, probably the streaming bubble is going to burst and all these COVID movies have been held back is what made it such a good year for movies. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of Blonde, I don't know. Did you watch Blonde? Unfortunately. And it was that I, bad. It, I, I, I was yeah. kind of looking forward to it because I don't even know if you know this, but like the director of it directed some of Mindhunter. Mm, and so I, I was kind yeah. of... I I've was seen his like, other movies, but I haven't seen Mindhunter. What else did he... What other movies did he do? He did uh, The assassina Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which I really like. And he also did Killing I didn't, Him Softly, which I really dislike. Yeah, like I remember Assassination of James Ford was like really um liked and I remember not liking it as much as I thought I would have. And then same thing with Killing Them Softly wasn't as good as I thought. Um but yeah, that director, I mean anybody who does Mindhunter or is even on the staff of like David Fincher, but I mean I know that's the big thing is I know David Fincher. So you didn't see Mindhunter then? I haven't. No, it's it's that's the thing. It's there's too much good TV that I'm missing the great TV. <laughs> You, know? you you really have to watch that, especially if you're into David Fincher type stuff. I mean, it's just amazing. The thing that sucks about it though is it ended literally. Yeah, I know it just got canceled. at season two. Yeah. Do you have any idea of? It actually got canceled a while ago, but it's it's been like, like it's still kind of like, you know, out there that, it's, that it got canceled. And it's like, is do you have any idea if it'll ever come back? Like, it doesn't look like it, um, as far as I can tell. Uh, I mean. You never know, like stuff comes, you know, comes back like Arrested Development and stuff. And sometimes it's, or like even Twin Peaks came back after what, like 25 years or something insane like that. So, but it doesn't look like anytime soon it's coming back. 
Yeah. So before I forget to ask you, I, I really want to know what you think of like, speaking of Twin Peaks, I, I want to know what you think about uh, David Lynch, because I know that he's like a well-respected director, but everything I've seen from him has either been like, not everything, but I like the whole and drive, I guess, but it's like mm-hmm. most of what I've seen from him has been like, just bad in my opinion, like really just bad. But then I'm almost like, is this like intentionally kind of like mm-hmm. almost like awkwardly like funny bad and like, or like, do you like David Lynch or? So Lynch is interesting. I think Lynch is, and I would probably put like somebody like Terrence Malick in the same category where they're like, they're really interesting, good creative guys, but when they just have unlimited leash sometimes, and that's why I think like, some like the people like crying against like oh you can't let filmmakers can't just do it sometimes they just them and their unfiltered vision is not the best sometimes listening to other collaborators or even other studio executives is a good thing and lynch lynch is good to a degree but when he just does his full-on just like david lynch weirdness it can be a little much even for me yeah and i'm saying this but i'm somebody who like wants to say i like david lynch like i said i like moholland drive mm-hmm. and i haven't seen much of his other stuff but like i i want to like him um but like the the twin peaks i couldn't get through the first two seasons and the the third one that came out like you said 25 years later just seemed to like not i didn't know what was going on like at all and i just like i said i didn't even finish the first two but it was like Almost like it wasn't even, it almost seemed like it wasn't even like tied into the first two, right? Like the opening, yeah. the opening shot was like some guy like filming, like, I don't know if you remember the opening shot of the third season, but it was like really bizarre. It, yeah. The season three was, it was just, it was a little much for me. It was a little just full <laughs> David Lynch, just like, you want me to answer these questions? Well, I'm not going to. Like, it's just, it's like, he was very much, they're subverting expectations. Um, and doing it interestingly and cleverly and then there's just subverting expectations just to say you subvert ex- expectations and i i really like the first thing when you do it in a clever way that actually is there's a reason for it and there's a commentary on it and then there's subverting expectations just to be weird and subvert expectations and maybe maybe i'm wrong about season three but that's what it felt like to me was david lynch was just being like you guys expect me to do this prestige return tv thing where it's a return to a show that everyone loved and i'm just going to take those expectations and intentionally mess with you um and some people really liked that but personally i i I found it really difficult except for there was some still some good stuff in it particularly the eighth episode the nuke episode where they go back to the 50s and it's black and white but some of that was really hard to get through yeah i agree like i just i just couldn't even get through it and that's part of my problem is i feel like you know i have to probably really honestly if i'm going to even talk about this stuff like at least sit through it but it's like i have a hard time sitting through it that's kind of like an interesting take though the whole subverting expectations thing like and i i normally am into that kind of thing for the most part like especially with music like i'm like if i see a live band and like they just like just go nuts or like i don't even know like even if they're like drunk like i saw i don't i don't know how into music you are but like are you have you heard like bright eyes or bands like that yeah 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 you know bright eyes so mm-hmm. i saw him like a while ago and he like just showed up drunk and like in between songs he was like waiting like it was just like a pause of like 
two minutes of just silence and it was like awkward and he only played like two songs that i knew from any of his albums mm-hmm. but it was like amazing and like same thing with like blink 182 back in the day it was like they would just go out there and they would talk half the show and they would make jokes and it's like people would be like well i just want to hear the music but it's like no i kind of like this because it's like completely different than what i'm expecting to see i don't really want to pay to go just listen to their album so anyways getting back to the movie aspect of that how often do you think that kind of do, so you really do think David Lynch is doing that intentionally to kind of like fuck with the audience. And how often do you think that kind of thing is going on? Like, do you think like, like, do you think people like David Fincher or Quentin Tarantino, those types of guys are, are doing that at all? Like intentionally fucking with their audience? They're like, so, okay. It's because you bring up Tarantino and I think I'll give you a good example of a, a, a Tarantino example of him subverting expectations in a good way, in the first way which was, and spoilers for anyone for Inglorious Bastards who hasn't seen it, why haven't you yet? But the way, because we've all seen World War II movies, we know actual history, we know what is going to happen at the end of this movie. We think, we think we know that, okay, the bastards are going to fail, they're not going to be able to kill Hitler, whatever. But then the movie ends with them shooting Hitler a million times in the face and the building burning down, that is such a brilliant subversion of expectations. We all went in thinking we knew what was going to happen. We all were like, oh my. And then when he when he pulled the rug out from under us, it was so effective. He had a reason for doing that. He had a reason for just like, because it made the story more interesting. It wasn't just to fuck with people. It wasn't just to be like, look at how weird and I can just do whatever I want. And I don't think necessarily that happens a lot, but I think sometimes... Not the great filmmakers, and I'm not saying David Lynch isn't great, but like there can be a tendency to be like, oh, I'm just going to do something unexpected just to do it without it servicing the story in a meaningful way. And, you know, it's it can be hard to say the reasoning behind a subversion. Um, but for me, like Blonde is the other example. Blonde is a movie where it's just all about subverting expectations and it's not really saying anything about anything. It's just, they're switching aspect ratios and between black and white and color and, and they're just intentionally or like, yeah, it's just, it just keeps. And like there was, I was like, what is, what does this mean? Like when they're in this aspect ratio, what does that mean? Uh, When they're in this other, and somebody asked the director and he was just like, I just kept doing that to change it, to keep people on their toes. Cause I wanted that to be Marilyn Monroe's mindset was breaking. So I wanted to just, make it weird and random and that's so annoying to me that is really bad filmmaking and just using Marilyn Monroe is just kind of this weird prop to like tell the story about abuse and and just making all about the, all, all these subversions that really have nothing to do with anything other than you just think it's interesting to do it that way it, it rings as hollow as compared to like I said the, the the Tarantino version that he did with Inglorious Bastards which really worked for me um, and you know your opinions will obviously vary um, I won't say what I think of it necessarily uh, but some people for example The Last Jedi think that movie was brilliant in the way it subverted what we knew about Star Wars and some people absolutely hate that and will send Ryan Johnson death threats um, where you land on that spectrum it's, it is once again subjective um, so I think you know for me though uh, it's not something that happens a lot but you do see it yeah, well, as far as Inglorious Bastards go, which is which, funny is that uh, I'm not gonna say that like I didn't like it, but I, uh, I, to me, it kind of came off as um, 
a little I know like it was in, totally intentionally goofy, but it kind of came off as like a little too goofy and I don't know if I liked it. And to be honest with you, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I don't really know if I liked that one either. Like, I don't know. There's just something that like rubbed me kind of like the wrong. But obviously, you don't really want to necessarily see it. I think it's you don't necessarily want to see it play out the way it actually does because you already know. But at the same time, I don't really necessarily know if I. I don't know. Like even with even with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. With that being said, like so, I also when I was thinking of movies that I liked, that was another one. Obviously, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, even though that was 2019, um, I think, right? Or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that one was great. But there's something about the new Tarantino movies that, for one, they're just not they're just not as good as the old ones, in my opinion, and. With that being said, they are still really good. Yeah. And I would but say it's like, part of the reason is probably because his longtime editor did die. Um, I think Django, or not Django, um, uh, the uh, Inglorious Bastards was the last movie she edited for him. And I think that the tone, or not the tone, the pacing has been a little bit, not quite as whip smart and quick as it was in the other ones. And that goes back to what I was saying before. Films are collaborations. Everyone views Tarantino as the sole author of these movies, but there's a very important factor of those movies that was removed. And now the new ones are just missing a little bit something else. Yeah. And you're kind of right. It's almost like the best way to say it is just kind of like the beat of the movie, which is like Mm -hmm. probably such like a hard thing. I would imagine the beat of the movie is like one of the hardest things to probably get. Right. But it's like when you're making the movie, it's probably so difficult to like, to like kind of like know how the beat's going to be until you see it. And then, like you said, I think the editor probably messes around with that. But yeah, yeah. there's something about yeah. the beat of the movie, but there's also something about like, I don't know, like in Glorious Bastards, Django Unchained, and this one just came off like a little, a little too goofy. I can't even think of a better word to say than like goofy or cheesy, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't even really want to say cheesy. Yeah. And I, but I like, just real fast, I want to say Sally Mankey was her name. I just looked it up. Uh, Sally Mankey is okay. the name of the editor who passed away. I remember when yeah that happened. Did we figure out the Did we figure out the name? Oh, Josh Brolin. Brolin. We forgot to Josh say Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah. I did you just remember? Or did you I did. I did. I remembered it earlier, but you were saying something, so I was like, I'll I'll say it when I get when I start talking. That I just completely forgot. yeah yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know if if, if it's the editor with 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 Quentin Tarantino. But there's just something a little off, and I can't really put my finger on it. Um, but with that being said, he's still one of my favorite directors. Um, and then there's David Fincher, who, what I was kind of thinking about him earlier, he does seem kind of like somebody who, for one, I don't know if he necessarily does it in his movies, sub- subverts expectations, but I know that he tends to do it like in real life. Like he did, like, I don't know if you know, but like he did like an interview with like Mark Marin. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the interview, he he told Mark Maron like he's like oh like let's not release that like I, I don't like the way it went and it was like what the fuck you know what I mean like just just release okay. it and same, yeah. even standing with Mindhunter, like it's just such a mind fuck that you wouldn't you wouldn't finish that. at least do three and like cap it or something you know what yeah. I mean? Well, I think like, he literally is like, a perfectionist. Like if you listen to anybody who's worked with him, they're like there's this. I always think of Mahershala Ali when talked about him working with him on Benjamin Button. He's like yeah, David will get like a hundred shots of you like your feet walking down the stairs. Like he's, he's like, yeah. he's so, so meticulous more than probably anyone else 
in Hollywood. And that's why he was one of the original adopters of digital filmmaking when film switched from you know being shot on film to being shot on digital. And there's stories of like him doing Zodiac, which was one of the um, first you know big movies to really be shot on digital. And uh, you know to bring up Robert Downey Jr. like they would just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. And Daddy Jr. was so mad that they weren't like, take, normally you'd have to break every you know 17 minutes or whatever to load in a new reel. But since they weren't doing that, Downey Jr. was so mad that he would just like go and pee in bottles and leave them around the set um, just as a form of protest. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of, a, I've only heard about this, but it kind of reminds me of like Jared Leto, but in a different way. Hmm. I don't know if you heard about Jared Leto as yeah. Joker. He was like, I think he was like, I think I heard something like he put like cum in a condom or something. And like like he gave nailed, it. Yeah, like the, Jared Leto, that's another one of the things where it's just like, he's just <laughs> doing this to like try and be like edgy. Like he's one of my least favorite people. Like I can't stand Jared Leto. Like he's just like, yeah. oh, look at me. I'm a method actor. It's like, okay, man. Like, yeah, s- stop. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how like someone like him would be like taken seriously in Hollywood, you know? And it's yeah. like a lot of these guys like, you know have come out like kind of like against method acting like mm-hmm. the guy from succession brian cox was yeah what's funny about method acting is that like i don't did you hear about that like where the one actor jeremy um yeah yeah that's wrong was method acting. yeah yeah I, I actually kind of like somewhat like respect that because it's like i obviously i don't really expect it with somebody like jared leto but it's like at least like you're like really trying to take the role as seriously as you can mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, there's something almost kind of like funny about it, but like also kind of like endearing that you're like, this guy's like really putting like his whole, his whole into this, you know, like even, well, even I think, if he's not the greatest actor. Yeah. I think like I, as someone who like did study acting for a while, I think I do respect that as long as it's your process, as long as it's just you and you're not like making other people's processes worth like obviously i'll give an example of someone who i think is a great myth that which really it seems like there's really no sorry to cut you off but there, it no, seems yeah. like there's really no reason to get anybody else involved you just keep yeah. it to yourself just but do yeah. your own thing exactly like if, yeah if that's your process that's fine but don't impact other people and yeah. like you know daniel day lewis one of the greatest actors of all time people talk about how difficult he is to work with and how much because he will not break character between scenes people hate him he made everyone on my left foot carry him around and stuff like that and he was like Liam Neeson talks about how much he freaking hates him because the set like he was just like kept calling him like Valen on the set of Gangs in New York and th- making death threats to him. He's like, dude, we're between takes. You can like drop it right now. So yeah, there, yeah, it's it's so there's always a line, you know. Yeah, yeah, but oh, and another thing too is like I mean, imagine if every actor in the movie was was doing that, it would be impossible mm-hmm. if every actor was pretending like they're you know it, it there's it, it sounds like there's almost like a sense of entitlement when they're doing it which is like, i can do this but mm-hmm. nobody else can but yeah like, that's another that's like another movie um my left foot is what you said right yeah. like once again i haven't seen the movie but what i've seen from i've seen clips of it it kind of comes off like really like goofy and like i know he like got so much like credit for doing that one but it kind of came off like almost like weird to me like kind of like it was like kind of like like over like he was overacting or something like yeah, i just actually i never saw point? that one either actually <laughs> yeah, to be honest yeah. so i'm on the same page with you for my left foot i just knew the story behind that, that one scene but i mean one, just uh, from once. clips have you seen clips of it or anything like trailer? yeah yeah like doesn't it look like he's almost kind of like overacting in it i, I yeah i always think of that that family guy bit where stewie does like the my left foot musical like <laughs> that always sticks in my head 
I, I haven't seen it. That's uh, like a pretty like deep cut for like Family Guy, isn't it? <laughs> probably. It's an early. It's an early one of the early episodes. Yeah, but um, yeah. So getting a, like a little bit away. From, well, I actually had one other director I wanted to ask you about was. And what do you think about like M Night Shyamalan? Shyamalan. Okay. I think he is really, really fascinating. I think that his career arc has been super interesting because obviously he starts off. He does his um the sixth sense is not his first movie but his first big movie um that is a real hit he gets anointed literally as the next spielberg like they put that on magazines with his face next to it and then he makes some hit some hits and he makes some really good movies in my opinion unbreakable signs and then we start to see the cracks like the village and he but he's still getting millions like this huge but because this is he's the guy you know he's the guy and then he starts making some movies in the studio system for these and they bomb after bomb after bomb these movies are getting steadily worse to the point where you get to like the happening and the last airbender which are like especially last airbender pretty irredeemable uh and then he's he kind of takes a step back and decides that he is going to start betting on himself and and instead of getting these huge studio blockbusters where he's getting hundreds of millions of dollars to make this he starts self-financing his movies and he starts making really interesting horror that is on a much smaller scale and because it's on such a small scale even though these movies are making much less at the box office than his bombs quote unquote they are making so much more compared to their budget back so he is now succeeding when he's putting out movies like Old or like um, just recently uh, Knock at the Cabin because he's just self-financed these for a couple million dollars and he's working with these actors that he's built these really good relationships with because they're made for such little money any mo- then like double or tripling their budget and being profitable is much, much easier. So I really like the transition that he's made to be this kind of independent, basically, filmmaker. Do you think at this point he's like self-funding? Because he probably he has, has so yeah. much money. Oh, he's yeah. completely just doing it. I, on I his don't own. know the extent of it, but I know that he does self-finance his films. Um, so and, and I think he's been doing that for since I don't know when he started, but probably around right after I think After Earth was the last movie that he did for a studio. And since then he's basically been um self self-funding. Yeah, he's another one of those guys who like I'm almost like, are these movies so, like, so bad intentionally? The ones you named, like, I actually liked um, the village. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I mean, I I, th- I actually thought it was really well done. When I rewatched, I didn't like it as much. I think the first time, I maybe wasn't as into movies, or I don't know. But um, the twist, the twist totally got me. I thought it was a great twist. The actors, the acting was great. The the film design, everything like that was was great. But then once you get into the the next couple um lady in the water for instance like um i was i think that was like one of the only ones i saw out of all like the really bad ones but Mm -hmm. i was almost kind of like wondering is this kind of like a david lynch i don't think he's i don't think what's funny is i don't think that he's on the level of, of david lynch in terms of like it's so weird it's so weird for me to say but like i almost want to say like genius but like even though i don't love david lynch's movies so i'm almost i was almost kind of wondering like is he doing is is he almost doing this intentionally as like what you were saying subverting expectations 
I don't think he probably was. I don't right? think so. I don't think so. I think he's more like, <laughs> especially with those big budget movies like The Happening and stuff, uh, and Lady in the Water, which you bring up, like he's more just buying into his own. The like, because he's been since at such a young age told that you are amazing, you're the greatest filmmaker to ever live, and uh, he just bought into that hype and just thought he could do no wrong, and he started just being like, yeah, I'm gonna make this. And like, I think there's a subplot in Lady in the Water where there's like a writer who's whose novel is so good it's going to save the world and he plays the writer like that's insane that's the most like egotistical shit i've ever heard in my life but since he's reeled it back and made some of these smaller more kind of um independent more kind of like in one location or more tightly uh just kind of like a more just yeah just a tighter story uh and kind of reeled it back a lot and kind of become a lot more humble i think he's gotten a lot of better i mean i still He's made some really amazing films. He's made some really bad films. And his new films are are probably the more interesting. They might not be his best. And they're definitely not his worst. But they are, they're very fascinating. Yeah, did you see A Knock at the Cabin? I did. I did. I had mixed feelings about it. There's a lot of stuff that was good. And there's a lot of stuff I didn't love about it. Yeah. It's always like, I mean, he definitely always has the type of thing where you're like, oh, this looks... He always has like that weird vibe. I don't know if it would be like... um like dread kind of or something but like which i love but um but even like even in the i didn't see that one but even i saw old and it was okay but like even in the and then um i so i watched the first two seasons of servant and i was i think Mm -hmm. yeah i think it was the first two and i was like really into them i was like totally for it and then me and my girlfriend started watching the third season and i just couldn't get into it it was like and I feel like that happens with a lot of his movies where it's like he either like kind of like nails it like, you know, the, the early ones or he doesn't. Yeah. Um, Very hit or miss, I think. Yeah. But yeah, he, he, he definitely does a good job of like building that kind of like, what's like, what's going on here type thing. And I like for some, for whatever reason, another movie that's coming to mind, another director who is, you know, probably considered the best Stanley Kubrick with like, um, you know, obviously the shining, but then with, um, I talked, I was talking, I remember talking to a guy about, um, his last movie, um, eyes wide shut. And we were talking about, and he's like, it just has such a good sense of like, like dread kind of, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. like not a whole lot is happening through the movie, but like, you just, you're, you always kind of feel this like dread, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, and, it's kind of like Kubrick was a master of tone, you know, like, especially, you know, like you brought up the shining, that's a movie that just like you're, like i think that's another one where like not a lot happens but you're just kind of feeling very uneasy or 2001 that movie is so slow and it's so just like but the vibes of it are just like just unease throughout the entire movie and there's there's something that's just not quite right but there's also something you're like they know that out there there's something to be gained there's something there's some kind of knowledge just beyond and we if we could just grasp it we might be able to achieve this higher understanding so i think that he of of like a lot of those old masters, he was really him and Hitchcock were really the masters of just setting a tone. Yeah, would you say that he is the best Stanley Kubrick? I mean, I think most people kind of say he is the best director. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. It's my personal favorite is is Martin Scorsese, and particularly the Scorsese when Scorsese doesn't do gangster films. I like his because when he tries to do something like Silence or even Hugo, um. Had a, maybe Spielberg too, because Spielberg is 
Spielberg is just a master. Like Spielberg, he's done everything. In in 1993, he did both Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. Like, how do you do that? Like, that's amazing. That's nuts. That's better than like most directors. 99% of directors don't have as good as a movie of either of those. And you know, and he's done that multiple times. Where he was just made two classics in the same year. We had Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can the same year. And you know, he's just all the first three Indiana Jones movies. Just the list of things that he's made that are both just genre-defining sci-fi or fantasy films. But on the other side, he makes intense, great dramas too. Um, I, it's it's hard to choose for me, but if I had to choose one, probably Spielberg or Scorsese. Yeah, and what's your? Well, yeah, Spielberg is another one that I, I wanted to go over because um, I don't know. He's like interesting guy, but it's like you don't you don't really see much of him. Like he doesn't really do any interviews, or it's like I never really see him. And then he'll like come out with a movie like every year or whatever. And I don't even like really, you know, hear his name that often. I mean, he's obviously, really? yeah. I mean, it's like obviously like everyone knows who Spielberg is, mm-hmm. but like I don't really see his face. I mean, does he do a lot of interviews? That I like, I've seen on, like, a lot Kimmel's. of stuff. Um, okay. I mean, yeah, he doesn't do it like late night stuff, but um, like I've definitely seen a lot of interviews and stuff like that. And like for example, I'll say that uh, when uh, when I saw the Fablemans and that kind of iconic last scene happens, I would knew what the scene was going to be because I'd seen him give an interview where he describes this moment from his life, and I'm like, okay, here's that scene, you know. Um, so I like I, I've seen a lot. Like he'll, he'll do talk to like AFI and stuff like that, and I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he does a lot more like actual like, you know, film interviews. I just haven't seen him in like, I guess, like the mainstream media. But yeah. that goes for a lot of the directors, I guess. But what what would you say your favorite Scorsese movie is? Would it be uh, Silence or Hugo or? Those those are in contention. Um, honestly, it might be like The Aviators up there, too. Um, Gangs in New York, I think, is very underrated. I think that is just this really like it does a lot of the stuff that the departed does um but in my opinion it does them a little bit better uh leo is obviously phenomenal in it you've got daniel day lewis doing his method acting insanity that's so good in that movie um i it's it's really tough i do i'm weird where i'm i like unlike a lot of people who like scorsese i like latter day scorsese a lot more than the early days scorsese his the DiCaprio era I like more than his De Niro era um but yeah uh honestly yeah may, it's probably either Silence or Gangs in New York yeah Silence was an interesting one it was like super long and it was good though for sure um and then what about I'm just like going over names here but I wanted to ask you about Ryan Johnson too since you brought him up like I was like oh I'm gonna like this guy mm-hmm. Like ever since Brick, I think, because I, I, and you know, people told me about Brick. Oh, yeah, then I also want to ask you about the Donnie Darker guy, but um, yeah, so I, I saw Brick, I wasn't into it, but then I saw um, like the sci fi. Well, he, I think he does sci fi, but um, there was one sci fi one he did, Looper, and I liked, yeah. I liked Looper, even though it, it also wasn't what I expected, but then since then, he did Star Wars, and then he did um his most recent ones like the the crime ones or whatever like the yeah the the knives out glass and yeah 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 and i just wasn't into the night i watched the beginning the beginning i didn't finish it but it was like i just couldn't get into his style it just kind of came off i don't know once again i don't even know what the word is but what do you think about him overall he's another guy who's really hit or miss for me uh interestingly a funny story uh he when he was since you brought a brick 
uh, I was at, he's actually from um, my hometown, San Clemente, and he was I'm, shooting. I'm fr- I gotta say, I'm from that area. Oh, nice. Yeah. And yeah. Do you still live was, in that area? I don't. I don't. Uh, okay. so, sort of, but not really. Um, okay. But I was going to San Clemente High School while wow. he was shooting scenes of Brick on the weekends <laughs> at San Clemente. And I have <laughs> friends who are extras in Brick because of that. Oh, um, wow. But I, interestingly, that's one of the few films of his I haven't seen. But yeah, he's really hit or miss for me. I like Looper a lot. I don't love Brothers Bloom. Um, but I really like both Glass Onion and Knives Out a lot. And I think that's also why I like his show Poker Face. It's a lot of the same vibes. Um, uh, Last Jedi, I always go back and forth on. Uh, I just, I, I get caught between, I think, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I love this. And then I hear like some people on the internet talk about it. I'm like, you guys are the worst. Maybe I actually do like this. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I thought when you said Last Jedi, for some reason, I thought that it was like one of the the original three, but it's not. It's like... Oh, yeah. It's yeah, it's the second one of the sequel. It's the one that J.J. Abrams didn't do. Okay, so do you feel like J.J. Abrams pretty much did a good job on those, and then Ryan Johnson didn't? Wait, so which what number would it be? What he was, was it the one eight? He okay, did. so they did they did okay, so they did four, five, and six, and they did one, two, and three, and then they did seven, eight, nine. Okay, yeah. so do you feel like J.J. What do you mean? I was. So many names. Um, J.J. Abrams, do you feel like he did a good job on overall? But on I, I, those think, two? I think that they were trying to do fundamentally different things. Um, and J.J. Uh, was very much trying to return Star Wars to what it was before the prequels. And I do like um, The Force Awakens, the first one he did. Uh, I think it is a little bit just saccharine and trying to treat the way in the way it treats the first the original trilogy and it is a little bit too much of a rehashing of those first ones um i think then johnson really wants to deconstruct all of that and then that have jj come back to it after that is it's kind of i think each of those movies works well on its own but watching them as a trilogy or as a part of a greater series doesn't work at all because they're competing with each other and trying to make opposite points so I don't know. Like I, I do like J.J. Abrams. Um, some of the time, a lot of the time. I love Mission Impossible Three, um, and uh, but yeah, there, it's it's weird because, like I said, it's you, if you judge them as a whole trilogy, it doesn't work. But if, if you just sit down and watch them, I think they could be actually kind of interesting. Yeah. So do you, I mean, do you think like J.J. Abrams was mad at Ryan Johnson for what he did? Or I don't think he was mad, but I think he was just like he was a little bit um, cause he did step away. He didn't want to do two and three. Um, and he kind of got brought back to Disney. Disney brought him back after Colin Trevorrow uh, got fired pretty much. And so I, I don't think, yeah, he was mad because he was just telling a different story that JJ had no intention of trying to finish. And then JJ had to finish it. So he got kind of, you know, stuck in the, not a great situation in my opinion. Oh, wait, so he ended up finishing the Ryan Johnson movie just because, like, the studio didn't like how Ryan Johnson did it or something? No, so he did, he was hired to do, JJ did the first one of the the new trilogy, and then Ryan did the second one, and then there was somebody else who was going to do the third one, and that uh, Colin Trevorrow, who got fired from doing the third one, Um, so JJ Abrams got hired to do the third one. Why do you get fired? I don't even know that name, Colin Trevorrow. He's the guy who did Jurassic World. Um, 
there's there's not really an official reason been given, but um, a big part of it people think is and there's this is a conspiracy. These are all kind of just theories, but he uh, between those movies Colin Trevorrow made uh, this movie called Book of Henry that everyone hates. I haven't seen it, but like just across the board, critics, audiences, people just do not like that movie. And I think that Disney was like, ooh, I don't know if we want to go with this guy. I don't, and I think they also, uh, after some, Disney kind of like was very notorious at the time of just kind of like firing Star Wars directors. The same thing happened with Solo. Um, allegedly, it might have also happened with Rogue One, um, where, but it was a little more amicable with that one. So Disney kind of probably knee jerk reaction just got rid of somebody. Uh, and his script is out there for what his Star Wars movie would have been called, which is uh, Duel of the Fates, um, his episode nine. And it's interesting. It has, it's not perfect, but it's it's very interesting. Um, it might have been better than what we got. I don't know. It's hard to say without actually seeing the movie. Yeah, I was just going to like shit on Disney, but I, I you know, I see that, <laughs> I see that you're wearing a Disney Oh, no, shirt, it's okay. But... It's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Like they're a big evil I... company. I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like- I just live close they, to Disneyland. <laughs> I feel like they've, they're just ruining whatever they're touching and they're, you know, they're, they're making more money off of it. Good for them, whatever. But it's like, they also like, I don't know. I just can't stand them. Like, it's like, they, they portray themselves as like some sort of like big, like loving liberal company, but it's like, why the fuck do you charge so much to go to fucking Disneyland? It's like, I don't feel like they do a whole lot at Disneyland to revamp it. Although I haven't been in a while and I heard, you know, they have, um, you know, some new rides. I don't know. It's just, whenever I go to Disneyland, I'm like not really happy with the experience. I'm like, why is this so much money? Like, fuck it. Yeah. But that's that's neither here nor there. But um, and it's like I'm sure a ton of people love their what they're doing with Star Wars and whatever else. But so yeah, so so I've just gone over so many names that there's a little bit. Of, there's other stuff I want to get to, but like one last name I'll throw out there is like the Donnie Darko director. So do you think that he, I'm forgetting his name, but do you think that he is like a genius with Donnie Darko or do you think it was just kind of like he just got lucky with that movie and just kind of like wasn't able to capture the success after? I've actually never seen Donnie Darko. I know, okay, Richard Kelly. Uh, I know that yeah. his... I actually haven't seen any of his movies. I know that yeah, like Southland Tales was his follow-up, which I know people do not like. Like I know that movie has a, well, I'd say mixed reputation. I think some people think it's kind of like, like a secret masterpiece or something, but yeah, I honestly haven't seen any of his stuff. So I wouldn't really be able to speak intelligently on, on him. Yeah. So yeah, he did Donnie Darko. Obviously it was like, I mean, I might say that it's like one of the best indie, like truly indie movies of like all time in the sense that like it was like truly low budget. And it was just so just well done and mind blowing. And then he goes on to do, I think, Southland Tales after that one, mm -hmm. which I didn't, you know, once again, didn't watch the movie, but I heard it was just an absolute shit show, but almost in the sense of similar to other directors that we've mentioned where I'm almost kind of like, hmm, like, was this, like, intentional? And then he did The Gift, which I watched, and it was just kind of like a shit show. And I'm just kind of, like, wondering with some of these guys where it's like, is he really a genius, or did he just get lucky with, you know, the one, the one, and that's it. I'm assuming his career is over. I don't know. But, I'm yeah, so I'm also interested in, like, 
I don't know how much you know about like the inside film industry, like kind of like talking about like it. It seems like a lot of the stuff in the film industry you would think would get out, like doesn't get out. And I know obviously a lot of stuff does get out, like in TMZ type stuff. But like, I don't know. I'm just like very interested in like the way things work. Like, do people get do the actors get mad? Like, if they're in a movie, like does Mark Wahlberg get mad at M Night Shyamalan for the happening? Like. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. It seems like it's it's very hard to answer. I don't think anybody really knows what's going on behind the scenes, right? I mean, it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to, like, phrase this as a question, but it's like, I was like, very interested, too, in, like, the hierarchy of, like, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, with, you know, like, um, but yeah, it's it's very hard for me to kind of, like, ask ask it as a question, unless you're actually probably, like, literally in behind yeah. the scenes you know there's I mean? there's i mean there's it's yeah there's always stuff that is like you know really kept under wraps um and then there's things that are also like open secrets that you know for a while i think people knew that kevin spacey was for example kind of a creep and then the floodgates just opened but so i think there's always stuff like that where and i'm not saying all of it's like bad abusive stuff like that but like there's always you know people always try to keep certain stories under wrap in Hollywood, but other people are always trying to bring those things to light. So it is kind of a, an ebb and flow type, you know, pull and tug type thing. Yeah. There's just something about Hollywood in in particular, I think out of maybe out of anything else that is just like really fascinating on, you know, like how it all works. Like I would just love to be like a fly Mm-hmm. you know on the windowsill or whatever like just watching everything behind the scenes um really it's probably just like a normal day job day to day but um yeah so as far as acting goes like we've gone to like directors i've always kind of like wondered too if like do you feel like there's any kind of like i feel like every actor out there is like in my opinion it's like when i watch unless it's like obviously just really bad um they're all like okay or whatever like it's just like okay whatever like they're doing their job but like do you feel like there's any actors out there that like are like maybe like big names that like are just just not good actors like they're just kind of like getting by on their looks or um and it's like i and a better way to phrase the question would be like really what differentiates you know the best actors with the worst actors. It's very hard for me to like kind of tell as a non-actor. And same thing with directors. But um, I don't know if you're able to like really answer yeah. that. But. I mean, as assessing. I think you're you're right that assessing acting is something that is very hard. And I think that's why we were talking about the Oscars earlier. Um, when you see a lot of these actors playing people in biopics, they tend to do really well at the Oscars because. Uh, and I, it's an like an analogy I heard once was that it's like art it's like looking at a painting and if you look at an abstract painting and it's something you've never seen before someone might think it's good art and someone might think it's bad and if someone's just doing a performance then it's like that but if you paint a picture of like a still life or an orange or something you can actually look at and be like wow this painting is exactly like this this orange or this sunset or whatever then we can physically look at it compare it you can see look at austin butler and say he is doing a great Elvis impersonation. You can literally put them up side to side and be like, that's good acting because we can tell it's the same. But if something like one of my favorite actors, Colin Farrell, look like his, he's also nominated this year for Banshee of Sharon. And it's like, well, 
how can you say like this is good acting or this is bad acting it, it's it's very subjective um and it's it's not you can't really easily point to something like that and for me he's really great he was in four movies this year and he was in vastly different roles in all of them he was in banshees as this kind of kind of idiot but very funny but very likable but he had a dark side to him and then after yang he's this very quiet contemplative guy in the batman he's obviously this big bombastic just kind of criminal was just like ah what are you showing me you know and then he was also in 13 lives really great perform- all great performances that to me is what makes a good actor is someone who can elicit all of these different emotions in you and someone who can like I, as much as I like love an actor like George Clooney I think George Clooney is a really good actor he's pretty one note what makes a great actor for me is someone who can do all kinds of different performances and really like if, if you see and I guess the, the short answer is if you see a performance that really moves you that's good acting yeah and it's it's it is very rare that I see that that's the thing it's like I can't even think of the last movie that I saw where I was like oh man like that guy just yeah, I don't know. For me, I almost feel like it's more of, of, an, of a situation of like, do you just like this person in general, I guess? Like, do they look good on screen? Like, but um, obviously, like, there's Daniel Day Lewis, who, but it's, I don't really know if Daniel Day Lewis himself has ever, like, or anybody for that matter, has really like brought any emotions out of me. You know what I mean? It's like, like movies have, the script has, but it's like, I, I can't even think of the last actor that did. But um, in terms of what, what about like, do you think there's any like bad actors out there that are just like kind of skating by? Like, I want to say someone like Seth Rogen, but I think he's actually like a pretty good actor. Right? I mean, I like Seth yeah. Rogen, but like, can you think of any like actors that just don't do it for you? Like, there's there's a few like we we touched on um, Jared Leto. I think is is just <laughs> not a good actor, and it might be just because I think he's annoying. I try not to be too mean to actors, you know. But um, yeah, there, I would say. He's I mean, you probably Academy. shouldn't be too yeah. nice. You know what I mean? They, they, yeah. They get so much praise probably yeah. in general, but yeah. There, there's one actor who's won an Academy Award, and I'm sure he's a nice person, but I don't think Mark Rylance is a good actor at all. Like, I just cannot stand him in anything. Have you seen the the new show? Well, it's the second uh, season of, I'm forgetting the name of it. It's like some like old, like 1920s. He's like a lawyer. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. You know, I'm talking about that, right? It's uh, HBO. No. Oh, uh, well, no. That was I was thinking of the outfit, but no, that's that's a that's a movie. No, I don't know. Unless I'm unless I'm unless I'm not thinking of the right name, but um, what's the name of that? That's gonna bother me too. Are you are you able to look that up, Mark Rylance's TV show HBO? Yeah, let me just look up his like IMDb or whatever. Thanks, man. Um, I do it, but I know it's I don't have my <laughs> computer open. Um. It's just gonna bother me if, if I don't get that. But yeah, so well, as far as he goes, Is I think he just ca- the undeclared war. No, I must be thinking of the wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Just uh, Google search is not great, so <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have to try and find that now. Which which guy is Mark Rylance? I, I should know his. I should uh, know him. He's like um, he he's like a bald guy. He's like in his fifties, and he's always always kind of talking like this. Yes, Mark Rylance. Uh, <laughs> he uh. Did you see Bridge of Spies? Or he no, was also uh, no. he's also at the Tom, end of Tom. Ready Player okay, One. Okay. He's in like a lot okay. of Spielberg shit. Like a lot of recent Spielberg shit. 
I mean, he's like, from what I know of him, he kind of just, you know, is, is, he's definitely not like a main character guy. He's just kind of like a background guy. Yeah, he, he just guy never in... does it for me, man. He just, I can't with Mark Rylance. Sure, he's a nice guy, but man. This is going to bother me until I figure this out. <laughs> um, yeah, so what about... Um, Yeah, so Perry Perry Mason is the guy. This show, you know Perry Mason. Oh, okay. Uh, I yeah. didn't know he was on that. Okay. No, 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 no. It's not him. It's a. It's the main actor of that show. Oh, that's um. Were... That's um. I actually that's Matthew Reese. I love Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese okay, is okay. great. He's phenomenal. He... Well, it's funny when you said Mark Rylance. I thought you were talking about Matthew Reese, and I was kind of thinking like, it's like I I don't dislike him like mm-hmm. as a. You know, as like a person, but I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say like he doesn't grab my attention or anything. It's not like I'm like, oh, I really want to watch the show because he's in it. But he's not bad. Yeah, you I just I, mean? I, I love the Americans and like I thought he was so captivating on that show. Yeah, I should probably check out that one. Yeah. Um. So. So is that pretty much? Those are the only two guys you could think of that are just aren't aren't great actors. I mean, just, yeah, just I mean, honestly, those are yeah the only <laughs> guys I would really call out are are Rylance and um and Leto. I can't think of anything anybody else off the top of my head that I I really um I really don't like. Well, what do you think of like Seth Rogen? Because I I so the thing is I like Seth Rogen, and I know he's probably he really is probably a good actor, but especially in the begin his beginning days it seemed like he was just kind of like he didn't like you know in uh super bad or whatever it just seemed like he he was he he like he's funny but it didn't seem like he's a great actor i think he was good he was like Clooney, where he was just like for a while at least i think he was good but just pretty one note like he's good at playing one specific part that's probably a lot like he was what he liked in real life but he's funny he's captivating i think he's interesting um but after seeing him in um the fablements i think he shows a whole nother side to him that i really really enjoyed yeah, I mean, he was also in he was also in Jobs. He did a good job. I don't know if you saw Jobs. I haven't seen Jobs. Not the one with Ashton Kutcher, but there was another one with the... um, Michael Fassbender that yeah. was like really good. Yeah. So um, he's definitely yeah, Seth Rogen has definitely been in. He definitely has been in some some big movies. Um, so in terms of the actual film critique, like so, when you go watch movies as a film critic do you try and like kind of go in unbiased are you like is that kind of like the goal like even if you even if you think like oh i'm probably not gonna like this movie well like first of all do you watch most movies because you're a film critic i try to watch a lot of stuff there's so much stuff that like you know i'm gonna miss some like uh when you know the oscars were coming out i was like okay i gotta make sure i see all the best picture things i try to see all the um ones that are going to be big and culturally impactful but can't miss it. Can't see everything, unfortunately, because you know uh, it's not my full time job. It's just a freelance thing. Um, but um, you know, and as, if I'm interested in something, I will make an effort to see it. Yeah. So, but when you when you are going to see the movies, do you try and kind of go in like unbiased? Like, even if you're like, I'm not gonna. I don't think that I'm. I'm gonna like this movie. You still. I guess I don't know. Like you don't hold some movies above other ones or whatever. Like yeah, I, I, you know, I try to go in as unbiased as I can. You're always going to bring your personal biases, and 
even just the experience of how you see a movie will vastly affect it. I think like I got like seeing Dune, for example, on the big screen. I'm really glad I got to see that was when, you know, a lot the shutdown was happening. I went straight to HBO Max and talked to another one of my friends who's like a really big film person. And they really did not have the same experience that I did. They watched it at home. They really didn't like it. But I seeing it in the theater with the surround sound and everything was really great. Um, seeing so you, you try to go in as neutral as you can, but it's gonna it's that's hard to do. Yeah, and like with the attention span thing that I was talking about, I feel like nowadays, like people with you know all the YouTube and TikTok mm-hmm. and Instagram and everything, people's attention span has gone down. Do you feel like sometimes if it's like a two-hour movie or longer and it's slow but it's good do you, do you feel sometimes like after like you know 30 minutes to an hour you're like oh this is kind of like dragging can we take a quick break real fast yeah yeah no problem Sorry, just give me one sec no problem actually you know what give me i'm just gonna pause it okay and then yeah all right all right hey what's up guys we're back so um yeah so i was asking you about like the attention span thing do you because of social media and all that do you feel like your attention span has gotten like worse with movies or just in general with movies do you feel like that's kind of like an issue for people honestly yeah and i think that's a big part of the reason why it's good to see movies in a theater is because you know you can't pause it and just go do something else for a minute you can't like look at your phone and scroll on tiktok you know i mean i guess you could but most you know decent people would not um so yeah especially when you have those big big run times uh and that's one thing i may think maybe hurt something like all quiet on the western front because it's a two and a half hour movie that is all subtitled and is really depressing and you kind of just it's it's kind of a slog to get through um i think that sometimes not all movies that are three plus hours or two plus hours are created equal um i think that something like uh for example avatar way of water despite being over three hours long uh, it really and just kind of not a lot happening for a lot of the movie. It really moved it a clip for me, and I was really engaged and interested. And I think if you are able to kind of keep your audience's interest, uh, you know, that's going to make it so much easier. But every movie is different. You have stuff like Skinnerink, which is just like there's portions where like just you're looking at a black screen for like a minute straight. Um, but yeah, I do I do think our attention spans have really been hurt by social media and you know. 30 second tiktoks and everything when you have to sit down and pay attention to a very long film yeah well i mean a lot of people say that that's kind of like a a problem with the youth or whatever you know, i'd say every every generation says that about the youth which you know they're, mm-hmm. they're gonna you know first it was books and then it was movies and then tv shows and then now social media but i kind of question i mean obviously having a bad attention span like is bad but I almost kind of like wonder, like, is it, is it, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're like, like you kind of like, we're kind of like living in such like a fast paced society that it's like, you almost have to kind of like, not like you have to, like, like I don't think being in like a rush all the time is a good thing, but I don't know if like, I don't really know if like necessarily like reading a book, like makes you like necessarily like a better or smarter person than like, just like reading Google or something or like, or like, you know, like, I mean, obviously if like, if you're just swiping away on like pointless TikToks or Instagram, but like YouTube, for instance, just has like a ton of like good quality information. I don't know if like watching a three hour movie is like really any necessarily better. 
Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Because there's like even something like TikTok, there's plenty of really amazing stuff that I've learned off of just like, you know, three minute TikToks where it is someone who is a scholar just talking about whatever it might be or something that is just very entertaining. And there's, there is a lot to be said about shorter movies. And I, I do, it is nice when you go to a movie and you're like, oh, wow, this is only 90 minutes. This is awesome. Uh, so it's not like, I think that especially with the Academy, they tend to treat movies that long equals good. That's not necessarily the case. One of my favorite movies from last year, seven. It's um, same director as Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Her follow up to that, uh, it's called Petite Mama, and it's a seventy minute movie, and it's really good. It's like you just get in, you watch this movie, and you get out, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's nice to sometimes not have that obligation. Yeah, I'd say why you know why watch it for two to three hours when mm-hmm. it could be done in less. Really, I mean. Yeah. But um, as far as like the future of um, uh, movies go, like a lot, you know, at some point, some people said that you know theaters might be dead. It, it looks like they're probably not going to be dead. But what do you think is going to happen with the future of movies? What do you think it's going to look like? It's it's really hard to say right now because yeah, like we've been saying, like I think what I think is going to happen honestly is that streaming is is obviously very important and but we we're never going to really lose theaters and what i think is going to happen is that the theatrical window is probably going to get a bit shorter and things are going to become available on streaming and i think that that's not necessarily a bad thing because things like i'll give a good example uh in kanto movies like that really find a second life in kanto it came out in theaters it did not do well 30 days later, it got put on Disney Plus and it exploded. It became hugely popular. And that is one way for, I think that, you know, when movies come out in the theaters, they don't make the box office that people are expecting. That's a way for them to kind of live on and get seen and to kind of recruit some of those losses. Um, On the other hand, you have something like Top Gun Maverick, which was supposed to come out, I think, after 45 days or whatever onto paramount streaming service but it kept making more and more money at the box office so they said you know what we're actually going to keep this just in theaters it's going to be a theatrical experience so i think it is going to become in the future a very case by case thing where theaters are going to uh or studios are going to work with theaters to be like all right we're going to have the you're going to get exclusivity on this one because it's doing really well but this one hasn't really hit so we're going to take it off and it's probably going to be a lot more complex than that but that's just kind of like the boiled down version as to what I think is going to be kind of the model of the future. Yeah. Do you think VR is ever going to get implemented into movies? I don't know. I don't, I don't see that really happening. I know that that's been something that I've been trying to, to bring on for, for a while. Maybe it'll catch on to some, you know, as some kind of gimmicky way, but I think that's going to be like the 3d TVs where it's like, if it ever does hit, it's going to last for like a couple of years and then people are going to realize it was a flash in the pan. Yeah. Yeah. It almost seems like VR with meta meta or whatever. I, t- I don't even know anyone like doing using meta. Do you yeah, like, no, I do you think not. it's just, yeah. I wonder if that's just going to like sync uh, Facebook or meta or Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah. So uh, what was I going to ask about? Um, oh yeah. What did you think about? Um, well, Encanto was like, it was like an animated one, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you think about Bardo? Or did you watch? Did you watch Bardo? The um. Oh, the uh, Inuratu movie. It's got yeah, like a yeah. long. I didn't watch that. Uh, it seemed very pretentious to me. Uh, I I kind of thought about watching it, but it just seemed like I heard a lot of mixed, not great things about it, and it honestly. Uh, I just never put aside the time to watch it. Yeah. Did that one get nominated for anything? Do you know? It didn't get nominated for anything. I don't think it got a single nomination, honestly. It was just like too weird. Well, I mean, that dude, like, like you say it's pretentious, and I, I see why you're saying that. But I, I listened to him actually on like a podcast, and mm-hmm. he comes off like really genuine and like he he kind of just said this is like what I wanted to do. This is like my vision or whatever. And yeah. I mean, it's like, obviously, I don't think it's for most people. Like, there's no real mm-hmm. through line of the movie. It's just kind of, like, abstract. But, I mean, The Revenant, the fact that he does the fact that he does Birdman, mm-hmm. The Revenant, which I wasn't even, like, huge into Birdman. Mm-hmm. I, I love the Birdman, Revenant. but I think it's very pretentious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I like the movie, mm-hmm. but it's, it's weird. It's, yeah. and I like weird, but it's... But then Revenant was was awesome. Yeah, Revenant. Even though that was, was great. another one. That's that was great. long too. Yeah. And I, I think I think I'm just kind of also I don't need to see any more movies because there was a lot of them this year, particularly of like directors reflecting on their childhood. And I know I talked about the failings a lot. That was probably the one of those that I thought was okay. I just I don't need to see any of these directors like Apollo eleven and a half. And I know it was last year, but um Kenneth Branagh is one of those uh like i don't i don't need to see the what director was that one the um, last one you said? oh my god it's the kenneth branagh it's a uh, belfast oh. i oh, really okay. did not care for that movie um so yeah I, I i just i'm kind of exhausted by that like specific subgenre to be honest and i know that comparing those they're very different tones very different styles even genres of movies but i just i don't need to see that anymore i only watch failments because i'm like if anyone deserves a victory lap it's steven spielberg i'll give it to him but that's about it yeah i mean at this at this point would you even call it a victory lap is like i said before like even though he seems like he's kind of been you know laying low or whatever like he he still is i think he still comes out with movies a good amount of movies right like he came out with um west side story last year i think right yeah and then um what else has he done recently like um uh, like honestly i haven't loved a lot of his stuff before west side St- like the his a lot of his 2010s output he did like the bfg um he did ready player one which i do not care for um uh, before that uh lincoln um which was solid uh it was a good movie war horse which i actually like a lot tin tin so i don't even know if i know of like Warhorse, which one was that? Warhorse is, I think, is a pretty underrated movie. Um, it's like, it's based on a play. It's just basically about a, a horse in World War One that kind of goes from different. Like it's, uh, you follow the horse and he just goes from different. Like here, it's at like now it's at the German lines and then it's at the British lines. And then it hangs out with like a French girl on her ranch and it's it's kind of just follows. It's a just kind of like the for the horse kind of Forrest Gumps its way through World War One almost. <laughs> oh man i don't even think i heard of that um yeah so what about what about like the safety brothers are you are you into like i like uncut gems movie? a lot i i haven't seen a lot of their stuff but i do uncut gems just in anxiety pure anxiety that movie is 
Yeah. Did you see Good Time? I didn't see Good Time yet. It's on my that list. Was, it's on my list. Was, yeah, that was an interesting one. It's, yeah. I mean, talk about weird. Well, with Uncut Gems, like, I've talked to other people about this and they didn't seem to agree with me, but, and I'd say, I think when I watched, I literally like, you know, torrented it or something, but it was mm-hmm. like, even though, I don't know, I have no, well, I don't, it wasn't on Netflix at the time, but um, it was like really like noisy. Like, did you, like, it was like the sound, and I think it was intentional, but it's like, like they'd be having a conversation, but you could like, literally, and I, I think this was a thing. You could like literally hear like the background kind of like, mm-hmm. Noise? Did you notice that? In the movie? I did like, not. I mean, this this sound mixing is like it's really interesting, um, and uh, the way like sound mixing is really bad on a lot of streaming services. And there's this really interesting video that um, I would recommend anybody look up. It's by a friend of mine. Uh, got interviewed by Vox. Uh, my friend Austin Kendrick, um, and uh, she basically she's like a sound engineer, knows a lot more about that kind of stuff than I do, but explains why so many movies particularly chris nolan movies sound so bad when they get mixed down to from they're supposed to be in this surround dolby sound and they get mixed down to like one or two speakers on your tv and why that really distorts it and why you have to like barely hear the dialogue you have to turn up the dialogue scenes and then like the action scenes come on you have to turn it way back down um so yeah sound mixing's tough yeah 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 um and then what about like, um, but yeah, like with that, with that one, I think it was a different issue. I, I think that they did it intent. I think I even heard that they did it intentionally. Like they're intentionally trying to make you feel like anxious. And it's like, okay. by yeah, hearing probably, all yeah. these like noises. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I think, but so with the dude, what about the guy who did like, he did men last year, I think. Um, Alex Garland. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a very, very big fan of his. Um, I actually don't like men at all like that movie really was like didn't work for me i think alex garland um falls into the trap that a lot of writers do a lot of great screenwriters like i was talked about earlier how screenwriters basically despite being the main creative voice on a film have almost no power and no recognition and you know he did his he did, was a screenwriter for a while he had a really great collaboration with um with um danny boyle uh, they wrote 28 Days Later, they wrote Sunshine, uh, and then he, and I think he just realized he didn't have enough power, and he, like so many screenwriters do, you know, your people like, even going back to the old days, Billy Wilder, or um, someone like um, uh, 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 Andy Kaufman, uh, like, they they write these these movies, and then they're like, you know what, I gotta direct so I can really see my vision done. And I think he's he's a good director, but he's not as good of a as a director as he is a writer. And his movies that he's directed have been really good. Uh, that he, uh, but the movies that he's written and let Danny Boyle direct have been just immaculate. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, yeah, I've I've noticed that too. For some reason, when you said Andy Kaufman, I was thinking of um, the comedian, but Andy oh, Kaufman. Wait, sorry, not Andy Kaufman. Um. Uh, uh, I know who you're talking about. He did like uh, Eternal Sunshine yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote it. What's his name? Do we know? I, I need to, I need to, I, I, it's <laughs> like my favorite director. He just gave that amazing speech at the WGAs. And I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm like forgetting everyone's name tonight. Yeah. If if you want, we could uh, wrap it up soon. Do you want to okay, wrap it up yeah, soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I actually only have 10, 10%. Um, it just showed me. 
Um, so yeah, Eternal Sunshine is amazing. But like you said, what did you see his last one? Um, oh, um, the yeah. weird one on Netflix. Yeah, I actually really liked that. I dug that movie a lot, to be honest. Um, that uh, it was. Um, I'm thinking of anything's uh, really, really weird. Just kind of um, surreal. Charlie Coffin. Charlie Coffin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I dug that movie. Um, and I think Jesse Buckley is one of the greatest performers that we have. Um, oh, yeah. She was she was great. And she looks totally different in men, like almost. Yeah. Yeah. Unrecognizable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that I, I being a film critic um, or I, or just being a very big fan of film, um, I there's a lot of things you catch in I'm thinking of ending things, especially on like a second or third go where uh, somebody like you see on her bookshelf, um, a book by Pauline Kael, who is a very famous film critic, who is famously very hard on a lot of movies. And then later on, when they're having that conversation in the car and she's kind of ripping apart, I forget what movie, but some movie it is. I was like, this sounds like a Pauline Kael speech. I've got to look this up. And I look it up and sure enough, it is a Pauline Kael, like verbatim quote. And so there's a million, and I'm sure I'm missing most of them, but that movie has all these just really weird Easter eggs. And I love movies that like you have to think about. Um, and I could see people thinking, seeing that one be like, wow, this is just subverting to subvert. But to me, it's subverting to actually say something. Yeah, and it, like I didn't know what was going on while I don't know if you knew what was going on while you were watching the movie, but I didn't really understand what was going on. It was really well directed, actually. Like some of the scenes that were probably really hard to shoot, like where they're driving in the blizzard or whatever. But um after I afterwards when I looked it up, what it was about, I was like, okay, that that makes sense. Like it totally tracks. But yeah, I actually saw Alex Garland on a um he was actually on, you know, Lex Friedman's podcast. No, I'm not familiar with it. He's kind of like a Joe Rogan guy, but it's oh, like okay. his podcast is more like scientific and stuff. He had Alex Garland on, and he's a super interesting guy. Like, mm -hmm. um, so I find it, I tend to like people better when I hear them interviewed, and I'm like, oh, this guy's actually like a really smart guy. But yeah, so in terms of, you know, speaking of Alex Garland, I feel like there's a whole new wave potentially, or there has been with like um, Ari Aster and like Hereditary and like um, The Witch, Robert Eggers, of like horror movies that are like kind of like really well done. Would you would you agree? Like on um, a lot of the A24 horror movies are like really well done. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's kind of like creating like a whole new genre of like just really well done horror movies. Yeah, honestly, I think that because I growing up, I was never a big fan of horror movies. And I think a big part of that is that horror in the 90s was not great. Horror like was just a lot of slasher sequels, um, just movies, you know, like Friday the 13th, part 10 or nine or whatever, you know, and then Jason takes Manhattan and Freddy comes back from the dead or whatever it might be. Um, and then once you have Scream come out and kind of deconstruct that, uh, I think that following that horror starts to get really interesting again. And particularly starting with the 2010s with the rises of, you know, your stuff like A24s or your people like Jordan Peele showing up on the scene. Um, horror starts to become much more cerebral, which is the kind of horror that I really like that just, it's not about just jumping out and scaring you. It's about being like, no, what's that in the corner? Oh my God, is that Tony Collette on the ceiling? What the hell? And she's just sitting there. That's the kind of horror that I love. And it's really had a big resurgence or um, in the past probably 10, 15 years. Uh, and yeah, companies 
like A24 that are making these movies for a much smaller budget um, are a big part of the reason for it. Blumhouse, I should also mention Blumhouse, also incredible with the the resurgence of good horror like that. Yeah, and that last one, um, I don't know, I think it was Blumhouse, the um, the one with like, um, I'm forgetting the name of that too, uh, Barbarian was was actually like a pretty good horror yeah, movie. Yeah, I like, I like the first, I half a little bit better than the second half of Barbarian um, but I definitely appreciate that movie and with Blumhouse and A24 something that they're both able to do is because they make these movies for such a small budget when one hits and they made a movie for a million dollars and it ends up making 50 million dollars it doesn't matter that they had 10 other movies that didn't really hit because they just made 50 times their budget on this one and it paid for all the other ones so the fact that they like Smile which was made for a, a very small budget made like a hundred million dollars or i don't know what it is off the top of my head but something like that they can just do that they can just try a lot of weird interesting stuff and it's not like something like a, a marvel or like you know uh whatever like paramount or these companies that every one of these movies has so much money spent on it that it have to be a hit because they are all these small budget movies some of them can fail and when the ones that succeed do it, it makes up for it yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was talking all the crap on Marvel earlier. It's like, I do think that those movies are obviously well done, well directed, mm-hmm. well acted, everything. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I would probably say that, like, I don't know. I, I might say that out of all the new, for some reason, I'm like really obsessed with like really into like directors. And I think it's because I guess that would be like my ideal, one of my ideal goals is to be like a mm-hmm. director. But, um, I might say that Ari Aster might be like the best up and coming director. Are you looking forward to like Bo is Afraid? I, I'm kind of a little bit bummed out about that movie that it's like not horror and it like looks kind of psychedelic. Have you seen the trailer for it? I haven't seen the trailer. I, I try not to watch a lot of trailers, but I I I do love Ari, Ari Aster. I love Hereditary was great, and then I loved Midsummer. Um, but I think a lot of it's, I'm always interested when a lot of horror directors, because a lot of our greatest directors started off as horror guys, Peter Jackson, um, Sam Raimi, they're these guys who start out with making these kind of low budget, interesting horror films and seeing where they go from there uh, is always really cool. Even Jordan Peele um, was a comedy guy and then he became a horror guy. Even Nope, while it still is kind of a horror movie, is more of a big budget action movie. It's a lot like Jaws. Um, So... I'm really curious to see what he does next because he's following in the footsteps of all these guys who have started with horror. Cause it's a really good genre to start with when you're starting being a director uh, and then kind of moving on to some more interesting other things. Yeah. Like one thing I'll tell you about that one is, and you know, you probably don't want to know too much. And I won't tell you, but like what happens, but it's like, it's definitely not what I expected from him. It's, it looks kind of like trippy or something, mm. but yeah. So, um, I'll end it on the last or you know one of the last questions here real quick and you can answer as quickly as possible I actually wanted to ask you about this earlier and go over it more in depth but you know feel free to answer quickly is like when reviewing movies and and um, stuff like that what are like some of the main points that you're looking for like something that I can like kind of keep in mind when I'm watching a movie for is what you know what's good and what's bad type thing I mean honestly I think that you just the main thing is like you're looking at what is what is this movie saying what is the point of this movie 
Like, what is it trying to communicate to me as an audience member? And in what ways is it doing that either effectively or ineffectively, I guess, is the very short answer for that. Okay, yeah, and that's a good, a good uh, short answer. And then as far as the differentiating between the directors, what would you say are some of like the main characteristics? Would you say it kind of comes down to like just kind of like just like hard work and like, you know, obviously intelligence, but like just kind of like putting in the work and putting in the time? Yeah, I think that that's definitely a big part of it. And it's also just experience and and knowing what you're doing. Uh, I recently read Robert Rodriguez's book and he talks about how when he's in film school and he'd been making films uh, for his entire life on his camcorder and editing them like manually on the VCR. And he would see all of these other film students be like, my film sucks. And it's like, you have to make, he's like, everyone has like two or three bad films in them before they make a good film. So you kind of have to do that a couple times. And what, and so, yeah, it's, it's hard work, but it's also experience and it's learning. And it's also making sure you work with the, your collaborators and take as much as you can from everyone else around you. Yeah. And then, uh, did you, by any chance, have you seen any of like Ari Aster's like early like YouTube shorts that he did? I have not. You can you can find some of his like early, some of them are bizarre, but you can find yeah. some of his early YouTube shorts like just, and they're not great. They're not bad, but they're like not mm-hmm. great. So yeah, the last question I'll ask you is, which is what I ask everybody. But what are well, first of all, go ahead and plug your stuff, and I, I actually do want to check out your Watch Mojo stuff. Do you actually talk on those, or or is it just like you just write it? So yeah, I, I just write, yeah, they have somebody do the voiceover. So I'm just, I just write the the scripts to, to those top 10 lists, but I also do the research and um, like gather all the, the um, B-roll and all, all that good stuff. So, but yeah, you won't hear, you won't hear my voice. Okay. And um, yeah. So yeah. Plug your watch mojo stuff, your podcast, whatever else you do. And then I also ask, what are some, podcasts movies tv shows music that you just want to throw out there that that you like yeah i know you've already gone over some of them but especially more recent stuff yeah yeah so um just to plug my own stuff uh my podcast is underrated we talk about underrated films it's on all the podcast apps wherever you're listening to this you can listen to it there Uh, it's also on youtube um some other podcasts that i'm a really big fan of um especially if you are looking for other great film podcasts to listen to um, one I would say check out definitely is Beyond the Screenplay. I'm a very big fan of that podcast. I've actually had a couple of the uh, co-hosts of that show on my podcast a couple times. They were kind enough to come on, and that was really awesome. Um, uh, Screen Drafts, another really great film podcast that I would recommend anyone listen to. Um, if you're looking for good f- uh, films that are out right now, um, I would say ideally uh, something that ideally something that I'd be interested in based okay, on what I okay. like. Okay. Yeah, let yeah. me, uh, I would say probably, um, what did I just see? Cocaine Bear actually was a lot of fun. Uh, oh, that, wow. Yeah, that movie, it's uh, it's pretty dumb, but it's pretty fun. There's not a lot of prestige stuff out right now. They're like, you know, January, February is kind of the time of the year when they put out a lot of stuff that they know won't win Oscars. I, I know we're creeping well, I into guess March. We're... Sorry, no, what, no. Are you, what are you looking forward to? I guess in this year, even if it's in the future, what I'm kind of like ready to look forward to movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean the the new Fincher film. Um, I'm I'm very very excited for. 
that's going to be coming out later this year, the animated one with Michael Fassbender on Netflix. Uh, oh, that's supposed to be animated? Yeah, The Killer, I think it's called. Um, so that's going to be... Uh, I'm kind of bummed be... out about that. <laughs> uh, oh, you know you know what is a good movie that just came out? Um, actually, Magic Mike 3. I love the Magic Mike movies. I love Steven Soderbergh. Uh, we didn't really talk about him, but he's one of my favorite directors. Uh, and then, you know what? I'm actually really excited for the new Indiana Jones movie that's going to come out later this year. Uh, I know people obviously had mixed feelings on the last one, but this one uh, looks like it's going to be really well done. Uh, it's going to not be kind of doing a lot of the old jokes. It's going to be, there's going to be flashbacks to him as a younger man. And it's going to be directed by James Mangold. Um, as much as I love Steven Spielberg, I don't think he's that same director that he was in the 80s. I think that James Mangold, who has uh, made movies like 310 to Yuma, he's made uh, Logan, uh, Ford v. Ferrari. And so I'm really excited to see his take on Indiana Jones and kind of the conclusion to that series. Who's going to be like Indiana Jones? Harrison Ford. Yeah. Harrison Ford's coming back and oh, okay. uh, yeah, they're going to, they're going to have do the age there. There's going to be some stuff of him as the age he's at, but they're also going to be doing all this. ILM is doing all this insanely good de-aging stuff. Um, so I'm really stoked for that. All right, cool. And then what are your, what are your thoughts? I know Shia LaBeouf was in like one of the Indiana Jones. What are your thoughts on him as like an actor in general? uh as an actor i think he's a really good weird interesting actor i don't think he's like as a person i don't know uh, there's some stories about him not being <laughs> the greatest dude um yeah but i think that he is pretty underrated as an actor i think he's really naturalistic and just kind of weird and you know there's john john bernthal talks about these stories about how how much he respected him after working with him on fury and uh just how kind of dedicated he was and he was very method but not in a way that like ever took anything from, away from everyone else so weird guy not the greatest guy but probably a really good actor yeah and then what what do you think about x x and um and the follow-up pearl i actually didn't see them uh, oh, I, didn't, I didn't see them i'm not a huge slasher guy you know so i didn't see x uh, i was more interested in pearl um but i was like i didn't see x i guess i won't see pearl either it's it's better than it's it's better than it's a slasher movie. It's okay. the director did a good job, and Mia Goth did a really good job in um yeah in both did, really. Um, did you think of that because she's married to Shia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought of Shia was Indiana Jones, then I yeah. thought of that, but yeah. So um yeah, so then lastly, TV shows, music, and, and then if if you've already named all the movies, uh yeah, so. TV show, I would say right now, the show that um, it's actually going to be, the finale is going to be airing tomorrow's recording. This will probably be out when people listen to this. Poker Face, I mentioned earlier the show. Poker Face is really great. Uh, I know Mandalorian season three is coming back. Uh, so I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, I did really love Andor. If anyone hasn't watched Andor, check that out. That's a really great show. Um, what's, what's Andor? Andor is the, uh, it's the Star Wars show following uh Cassian Andor Diego Luna's character from Rogue One and it is way better than it has any right to be it's just like really gritty interesting like Star Wars told from like the kind of ground level that you never see it's it's really just a great show about like standing up to fascism and just how complicated and and tough and interesting that can be uh so I cannot recommend Andor enough and I don't know if I have any music recommendations um I do like music a lot i try to go a lot of my music but um i don't think there's any any bands that i really listen to that have come out with anything 
recently. Um, so I'll just go say, listen to the soundtrack for RRR because that's a great movie. I hope it wins best song at the Oscars. Uh, go listen to that. And that's also RRR. What is that? It's a Indian movie, um, three hour long, just ridiculous, over the top, bombastic epic. It's on Netflix. Um, unfortunately, it's not in its original language on Netflix. Um, but uh, yeah, just really just if you're looking for a fun blockbuster movie, uh, it's like a musical, but it's also a war film, but it's also a buddy film. It's it's like everything in a movie, honestly. Okay, and then and then lastly, <laughs> what, what are your what are your favorite Star Wars? Do you like the original three the best? Do you think those are the best ones? Uh, Empire is the best. Empire is definitely the best. Uh, I think each trilogy has its own ups and downs, honestly. Um, but yeah, uh, nothing really touches the that this episode five, the second one to come out. Yeah. All right. Well, what I what I really think that they need to do, and if if you're able to do this, then mm-hmm. go ahead and take my idea. But have you heard of like the website Pitchfork, like the music website? Yeah, yeah. So it used to like really like just you know like re- like you know really hate on like certain music or whatever. I feel like there needs to be like a website where it's like it kind of like tells you what is the most prestige TV and movies and i know there's like rotten tomatoes which is kind of like that but it almost i feel like if you can come out with like a website or like a podcast where like you can just get like really good ideas for um what to watch basically but i i feel like it's like one thing about the internet is like it's very hard to find anything really to listen Mm -hmm. to or to watch and that's why i always ask my guests these questions but anyways that's my idea so yeah i'll definitely check out your um podcast and then also the if you can, you know, maybe send me some of the watch mojo ones or whatever. It was Absolutely. nice talking to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. And if you ever want to come back on, let me know. I could talk about this stuff forever. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. All right. See you.